Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 109 of my personal favorite podcast, the Classic Gaming Podcast. I'm biased. Today's date is July 15th, 2018. What was that? Uh, Excuse me, sir? Sorry. Sorry, two things. One, we're already at 109, which is crazy. Excuse me, please wait to be introduced before you start talking. Oh, is this what we're doing now? (laughs) I'll stand behind the yellow tape. Run run with it. Go with it. Anyways, uh, I can't believe we're nine episodes past 100, because I remember we were really, like, ramping towards 100, and we're at 109 already. How about that? And, Almost 10 after. I know. And we're already halfway through July, which I remember when this year started. Like, this started. You know what I mean? Like, this year's going by so quick. Yeah, I guess it sort of has, maybe. Wow. I think it's all the good fights we've been watching. Did you know Did you know there's a, there's a new, well, not, like, they resurrected Double Dare? I heard about it. Who's the host? It's some girl. It's some girl, but Mark Summers is like a co-host. Who's Mark Summers? He's the who's Mark Summers? Come on, you call yourself a Double Dare fan? Here comes something random. Well, who is it? He's the original host. Oh, I don't remember his name. You don't kidding me? You don't remember? Wait, let's do a poll. Anybody listening, tweet at Robert if you remember the name. If you don't, tell Robert he's dumb. (laughs) Do you remember? But you remember? uh, You remember like him though, right? I remember who he is. Yeah, Yeah, I just know his name. He's uh he's kind of like how um the best way I can think to describe him is kind of how uh Andy Richter is on Conan O'Brien. <laughs> he like okay. sort of stands off to the side and like says things or he's kind of like the per- well yeah yeah I mean I don't want you you get you get the idea. Yeah, he kind of is off to the side saying things every now and then yelling out what just d- like describing what the prizes are and things like that. Is it good or does it feel like a resurrection? No, it it feels exactly the same. Interesting. If you didn't know any uh, I think so. Yeah. If you didn't, okay. if you, if he was actually hosting it and you know, you didn't see that there's this girl doing it, um, you would, it really like, you would think that it was just the same show basically. What is this on Nickelodeon? I would assume. I'm it is. That it yeah. Is. Yeah. Okay. Make sure they didn't like sell the rights or something. No, it's, yeah. yeah they did a lot of resurrections. It's interesting. It's on Nickelodeon and it is just the same as it was. Um, it's really kind of fun to watch. That's cool. Yeah. Glad to hear it. I always say when resurrections come back for like a week and they suck and. Yeah, no, it seems really faithful, and it seems like they're doing a pretty good job with it. I've been watching it with my daughter a little bit. She likes it as well. That's cool. And they, and they have the same, like, a lot of the same stuff in the big obstacle course at the end. You know, they had the big giant nose that you have to Oh, yeah, that's right. Into. I mean, they have to do stuff like that. It's iconic, right? Right, yeah. Um, You got anything interesting you want to talk about, or you want to jump into news? No, I think we're pretty, pretty straightforward, to be honest with you. All right, I got two things. One... Shenmue 1 and 2. Are you a Shenmue guy? You ever play Shenmue? Uh, I don't think so. Let me search this up. It was on Dreamcast. It was it was like the big Dreamcast game. Everybody. Bigger than Crazy Taxi? Was Oh, it was bigger than Crazy Taxi. It was even was bigger. Was it really? Than, wow, that's. Oh, yeah. It's it's probably the most Oh, yes, famous. I did play this game. I didn't know it was called Shenmue. That's interesting. <laughs> did you think it was called something else or you just didn't know? remember what I it was? I didn't remember what it was. Did I you like it? In my mind. Uh, yeah, of course. It was a really fun game. Okay. Well, it's coming back out. They're re-releasing one and two. For what? Um, Xbox One, PS4, and PC. The one and two. It's going to be like it's a collection of just one or two. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because those are the only two ones. It's thirty bucks. It's coming out August twentieth. That's not bad, price wise. No, I don't think so. Sometimes I, I do those re- those like revamps like that, and they're really pricey, and I'm like, what? Yeah, they. I think they had maybe announced this before that they were doing it, but they just now are announcing the release date, and I don't, I don't know if they had mentioned the price before either. So August 20th, if you're a Shinbu fan, pretty quick. there you go. One other thing, 
Did you ever play Sonic the Hedgehog? You a big Sonic fan? How about let's let's Sonic, keep going with this. Sonic, <laughs> it's this it's this um game show about these people that dress up like furries, oh, no. basically. Uh, and videos. Yeah, <laughs> and then they that? it's about fan art, actually. I'll take it back. <laughs> <It's>, Stop it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sega is making a Sonic the Hedgehog toaster. And it's available. You're gonna get one, aren't you? Are you being serious, or are you just? Are you just? I don't know. Me? Sometimes with you, <laughs> I, I... if it was you know uh, Captain Falcon toaster but, or, or fucking, fucking Star Solid Fox, Solid, oh shit, Solid Snake, I'd be all over that. No, I, that'd, be, I can, that'd be really funny, actually. I can live without the Sonic the Hedgehog toaster. What would be funny if for the snake one is if it did quotes when you put the toast in and when it if it's was like done. said stuff. <laughs> yeah, that would be dope. That'd be mm-hmm. hilarious. I don't know any famous quotes. I didn't insert them right here, but you know what I'm saying. I don't know um, any that would fit for a toaster. I'm sure there are plenty. Um, Can't you say psychomantis to anything? Isn't that a filler word? Filler? No, I don't think so. I don't think that works. You could say, I'm in the box. See, that might go. work. Every single time you make cover. toast, it says, I'm in the box. <laughs> um, it's You can pre-order it, and it's avail- they're going to actually be available in October. So it's thirty-five bucks for if you want a Sonic the Hedgehog toaster. <laughs> I think it's kind of hilarious that they're, they're... I might have to hard pass on that one actually. <laughs> and that's all the news we have this time. What we what that's we quick. what we yeah no what we lack in quantity we made up for in quality this time <laughs> in the news. That's the name of our podcast. Wait, we have quantity. <laughs> Never mind. Just that's a really long name for a podcast. Um, I think ours is the other way around. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we just throw nut things in the wall and some of it sticks and the rest of it just falls to the wayside. We just, we just talk as much as we possibly fucking can and some of it's going to end up being good just by accident. <laughs> Careful, you're gonna, our, our listeners are waking up right now. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, wait what a have minute. I doing for the last four hours? <laughs> Holy shit, he's right. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, let's... And we'll move on to games in just a second, but... Um, it's time to, I think now's a good time to go ahead and decide our next game of the quarter. How's that with you? You want to go ahead and do it now or you want to wait until after we talk about games? Oh, let's do that. It's a good time. It's good. good All right. So I had the, so you chose, well, you sort of chose the last one. Last, last time it was your, your choice to either do a random one or pick one of your own. Yeah. And uh, you went random and we played 40 winks. Next game of the quarter, I, I'll do the same thing. And what I'm going to do is, is what we kind of discussed earlier is, uh, well, I'm going to do a combination of my idea and your follow-up idea which was you said to let people vote i said that that i was going to do a random one from my gog library so what i think i will do is i'm going to is i'm going to do i've got random.org pulled up and i have my gog library pulled up i'm going to select four or five games randomly and let the listeners vote on which one we do for the next game of the quarter interesting so what do you? How many do you think? What, what do you think is a good number to, for us to vote on? Four or five? I don't. I feel like any um, less is a little bit too low. Not enough options. I'm, for some reason, five is calling my name out. Five so. calling All right, let's run with it. I like it. Okay, so I have my GOG library pulled up. I have three hundred and thirty-four games. Jesus. In God, I, I have like six. <laughs> um, and uh, so what we'll do is I'll get a random number between one and three thirty-four, and if it's not a classic game, then we'll just re-roll. Until we get five classic games. All right, you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm All right. Ready. First one, 11. That is... Ooh, wow, okay. 40 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, this is this is another thing that I meant to say. 
if we get a sequel to a game that I haven't played, I'm going to default. Oh shit, damn it! I'm going to default back to the original game. Okay. Uh, unless there's some particular reason not to. So this landed on Eye of the Beholder two. So I'm going to fall back to Eye of the Beholder one. This is a this is one of the ones that I bought on the most recent GOG sale, and it's one of those we're talking about the classic first person dungeon crawler games, you know. Where it's you, it's like uh, Might and Magic style, basically. Ooh, but you haven't played it, correct? I have not played it. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm only going to do games that I haven't played. That's another thing. You sure. All right. So that is the first one. I have the Beholder. Second one is Drumroll number eighty-one. So let's see. Five, ten, fifteen, eighty-one. Okay, that's not a. That's an old game. I mean, that's a new game. That's Tropico Three. That's not going to work. So let's re-roll that one. Two eighty-six. Okay. Oh man. Alone in the Dark Two. <laughs> oh no! Is that is that within our parameters, please? Please? Huh? What do you mean? Is that with? Is it older than 2005? Oh, yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. Fuck. Um. I mean, language. And I hated Alone in the Dark one, so this will be really interesting. Yeah, this was 1993. <laughs> oh no! Alone in the Dark two is the second one. Third one, 309. All right, 309 is Police Quest three. The Kindred. The first one, haven't you? No, I don't think it was. No, it was not the first one. I think it was. I think this may have been the one that I played. Yeah, okay. Three is the one that I did play. One and two, I believe, use text parsers. And I really kind of refuse to play those. So maybe we'll jump up to four in this case instead of going backwards. Because it's just... uh, Yeah, okay. I believe... I believe one and two... Are text use text parsers and it basically makes them impossible to play. So let's go to four for this one. We'll go up one instead of down one. So number three will be Police Quest Four Open Season. <laughs> I'm not really digging all of our uh, options so far. Ah, uh, we'll get some good ones here. I'm sure. I, I'm not sure. I think it'll be fun to see your people's. To hear people's thoughts regardless, but uh, I don't think the games themselves are going to be all that fun. All right, next one is 193. Ooh, okay, ooh, here's a good one. Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. Dark Forces is the original one, and that, and I have played that for the podcast, so Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 is the sequel to Star Wars Dark Forces. Last one is 224. Uh, okay, the last one is Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. Oh, I'm so happy about that. I, oh, I've played that, though. Have you? For the podcast? Yeah, uh, yeah I'm pretty sure I have. Should we? Do you want to skip it, then? Unless we, unless you want to do the second one. I'd be down to switch the second one if you want to do that. I would love to play another one of those games. Those are so fun. Um, they're, they're fun puzzle games. I've, I, I'm going to have an uh, executive decision and just re-roll on this one. Damn it. 3-12. Ooh, okay. Quest for Glory. That's I'm more excited, but I don't know much about it. Um, it is a Sierra adventure game. Of course you're going to like it. Well, no, I haven't. I don't really like the Sierra adventure games. However... Oh, yeah, that's right. Because they have a lot of like endings where you can't win, right? Yes, exactly. But the Quest for Glory games... I Okay, so I've never played one of them, but I've been wanting to for a while because they are point-and-click adventure games. But apparently the Quest for... Excuse me. Apparently the Quest for Glory games incorporate RPG elements into them. Okay, so that's the list. Okay, so the list, final list of five. These are our options. You ha- you have to. It is not an option. Vote on one of these. Everybody who's listening right now, send in an email and vote for either 
for our for this is again for our game of the quarter, which will be uh, that you're gonna have to play yeah. as well. So yeah, keep gonna, that in mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's see. So that will be that'll be September, the end of September. Wow. So we're gonna uh, be there in no time. By the way, I know it does seem like it. Um, so at the end of September, we'll we'll be when we'll talk about this game, and you guys vote on it. And I will, if there's a tie, I'll I'll make the tiebreaker. Vote on either Eye of the Beholder, Alone in the Dark 2, Police Quest 4 Open Season, Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, and Quest for Glory 1. I like it. It's old. It's brash. Robert belongs in the trash. Obviously, all of these are on GOG, and I'm sure they're all pretty cheap. Usually, these really old ones are no more than... Five. You have plenty of time to find a sale too. I mean, got till the end of September, right? Yeah. How many GOG sales between now and then? Well, well, they do have. Yeah, I mean, I guess they do have weekly sales. They they just had their big summer sale, so there won't sure. be any huge widespread one. Uh, we looks not like sponsored by GOG, by the way. <laughs> um, and I think some of these are. Well, I know, I know, at least some of these are also available on Steam. So send us an email. Vote for one of these. Tell us which one you would like us to do for the game of the quarter. And we will do it. We'll, we'll choose that on the next episode. And then we'll get rolling with it. I like it. I do too. Okay. Time to move on to video games. You like that? That was a little bit embarrassing, <laughs> actually. So uh, let's just talk about video games. Uh, who wants to go first? You want to you wanna go with it or you want me to? Sure. You've been talking for a while, so I think that's probably good. You want to do it? Go, sure. right? go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So uh, I have... So, I want to play, or I've wanted to play and beat um, Ocarina of Time, Zelda Ocarina of Time for N64 for a little bit here. I tried a little while back and couldn't get into it, so I decided to take another another shot at it. <clears throat> and I have been having an absolute blast with it. Um, Ooh, I've played wow. for probably ten, only like 10 days, like even if, even if that. And this game is very good. <clears throat> and I have some, I have some very interesting thoughts about it in comparison to Majora's Mask, which is usually what people do when they, when they talk about Ocarina of Time is the first thing they want to talk about is which one you feel is better. It's very interesting. I have this thought that whichever one you play first, you're probably going to enjoy more. I've had that for a while, hmm. but I can completely understand why people enjoy Ocarina of Time so much. And I actually think it is better to play first than Majora's Mask. Obviously people would say, well, yeah, they came out in that order. It's probably pretty obvious. But no, more so one of the things that I experienced in this one that I felt was lacking in Majora's Mask was the game has a much better curve going into it. Um, I feel like there's a, a, a the tutorial is kind of long and annoying because, you know, at this point, a lot of people know the idea of Zelda games and, you know, the basic mechanics. But I like how the game really did keep it, it kept it linear for the first little bit and then kind of expanded widely into the open world and it guided you where to go. And periodically, you get reminded of what, what, what your main task is. But, you know, obviously, there are, there are some side goals you have to do in order to get there. In Majora's Mask, you have this curve where you're like, okay, I got turned into a Dooku. Okay, I need to um, get turned out. And then you pretty much come out into the city. It's like, hey, by the way, you need to capture or you need to kill these four dudes so we can protect the world from the meteor. And it's like, okay. So how do I do that? It's like, well, no, you just have to do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so do it. you kind of get dropped. And, and I'm sure that's a little bit of a <laughs> For sure. There's there's definitely a little bit of a learning curve because you, you can't exit the city until you do certain things, so it limits the amount of stuff you can do. But the city's pretty large, and so it's a little overwhelming. And for me as a kid, I struggled a lot at the beginning of Majora's Mask. It took me a while to really understand the layout of the city, what different mechanics I could do. And you know, and the other thing about Majora's Mask is you have that fixed time, right? Because you, you have 30, what is it, three days 
uh, 72 hours before the clock resets. And there are certain events that happen at certain times during that 72-hour period. So it can get kind of annoying because you may be lacking something specifically because you didn't go to a designated area at a specific time. So the reason I mention all this, and I'm not trying to diss Majora's Mask because I still think it's a better game because I love the kind of the overall feeling and mood of the game and, and the, the storyline that goes with it. But I think it's a great idea for people to play Ocarina of Time before Majora's Mask because you learn the basic idea of Zelda. You understand what the different items uh, do and what their capabilities are. For instance, like a Dooku stick obviously is used to light different torches and to you can do a bunch of different mechanics with that, right? And then you have the slingshot, which you can do different things with and you know the different items you kind of understand. And, not, and on top of that, you understand the abilities of Link because obviously Link has certain things like, there, there are certain ledges that you can jump up to that if you looked at, you're like, hey, I probably can't jump up there. It's too high. But then you actually walk over there, and, and if you use the combination correctly, you can get up there, and you're supposed to get up there. On top of that as well, like, using the Ocarina is very critical in, in both games, I've noticed. But in this one, it's, an, it's a nice little curve where it's like, okay, you got this song. It's probably going to be used soon. Okay, you got this song. It's probably going to be used soon. Whereas in Majora's Mask, I got to points where it was like, you need this song, but you don't know what it is. You don't know where to get it from. So, hmm. I think it's a great idea to play Ocarina of Time first. Okay. That being said, this game is super duper fun. It is unbelievably fun. So I've already cleared... That's your catchphrase. Um, I know, right? It, it, is, oh my, it is just a blast. I've had, absolute <laughs> bla I've had an absolute blast playing this game. It, the, the, just the overall feeling of the game is, is really, really good. So um, the first time I played it so far, I played for like four or five hours straight. And I just kind of dove right into it. And, and I'm pretty far right now. I'm moving on to the second... That second major dungeon of the game. Um, I just got the Goron City cleared. I just got the, the fire gem that you need, and I'm moving on to the third gem you need in order to progress in the game. <clears throat> but what I love about Zelda games is the puzzles. There are all these different puzzles throughout the world, and this is something else I wanted to mention is, you know how you see those cracks in the wall, and you know you're like, oh, I need a bomb for that. Well, I don't yeah, have yeah. bombs yet, right? The first time I played Majora's Mask, I'm like, oh, that wall's cracked. Kept walking. Didn't even think twice about it. <laughs> it's very nice because in this, when you get bombs, it's like, hey, maybe you should use the bombs on this. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I knew that, duh. But, like, you know, if you've never played <laughs> I one, know, like, I know. Yeah, exactly, right? So um, it's so fun because, like, as I'm progressing through the world, I see things and I'm like, oh, I need a bomb to get this gold spatola. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have bombs yet. So now I got bombs. So the first thing I did after I got bombs, I went back, got the gold spatola, and kept progressing throughout the game, right? And so I know that kind of going through, which, is, which makes the game even more enjoyable. But it also helps me to understand where I should be. Because if I know which items I have, I know which mechanics I can interact with, and I know which ones I can't. So I know if I can't interact with certain mechanics, I can't go there yet. So I just kind of progress through the game as I'm intended to. Or I go for some side secrets when I can, which is fantastic. Um, one change that I noticed between Majora's Mask and uh, Ocarina of Time is the Gold Scotolas. So Gold Scotolas and Majora's Mask were these houses. You would find them, um, <clears throat> and essentially you would have to figure out how to collect, I think it's like 28 or 30 Gold Scotolas within the house. And there's all these different mechanics between using water from your, uh, you know, from your potion bottle or um, the bugs from your bottle or bombs or sometimes just a simple boomerang could do it for you. Um, sometimes it was jumping as well. In this one, the gold scatolas are everywhere. They're everywhere in the world. And there's one house where there's a dude who's been cursed because they did something. I don't know what it is yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so you talk to the dude, and he's like, hey, we're cursed. Collect the gold scatolas. They're everywhere in the world. The only signifier you know is that there's an icon that you get when you're in an area with a gold scatola. Additionally, I think primarily they're only found at night. I, I could be wrong, but just kind of my experience so far, I've only really seen them primarily at night. <clears throat> Excuse me. But... Uh, it's very fun because then you kind of get you get a certain number of them and you go back to the house and 
some of the people that got cursed are turned into humans and they give you items based on your progress on it. So I just went back after getting, I want to say like 15 or 20 and I got my adult wallet. So my, my rupees went from 99 to 200, which is fantastic because I've been sitting at 99 rupees forever. I just oh, have nothing wow. to spend them on. When you get to the $200 mark, I've noticed you can buy some other items. There were some items that were actually priced at 200. So I'm working my way towards that. But this game is so well laid out. It is linear enough to where I can keep track of what I need to do and what secrets are available based on, again, like I said, the mechanics I can interact with with the items. But it's open enough to where when I finish a dungeon, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go try and see what I can do anywhere else. And so I go to the different cities. I go to Hyrule Castle. I go back to the first starting city, and, and I just kind of explore around and see what other things I can do. It's very, very fun. This game is, is, is so well-paced so far, and I'm absolutely enjoying it. Um, the graphics are very noticeably bad. And this is one of the things that went oh, from... Oh, really? Yeah, because Majora's Mask, you got that adapter pack, the whatever the hell it was, it was like red and black, and you plugged it into the front port of the 64, so the graphics went up a bit. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So the difference, the, the primary difference is when you're inside buildings, the everything you can interact with, it, it's like watching a car, it's like watching a Scooby-Doo episode. Everything that they're going to interact with is drawn more detailed than, than, uh, than the background. And the background is so plain, it's just kind of flat. And what's frustrating about it is certain times you will actually need to interact with the background, even though it may not look like it, because it's just, you know, the limitations on graphics. And so that does get kind of annoying, and that's something I did notice, obviously, between this and Majora's Mask, which is you know, understandable. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not to a point where I'm, like, completely turned off from playing the game. The music, as always with a Zelda game, truly does kind of build the environment and kind of set your mood for, for the area you're in. And it's, as always, executed very well. Um, the music is very similar to Majora's Mask, along with the songs you play. So there's kind of that, that synergy. Um, yeah, what else is there to say? This game is super duper fun. I love combat. I, I'm, I used to be really annoyed by the movements. You know how you can like use the strafe command and then you can block, but then while you're strafing, right. you can jump sideways, you can jump backwards, you can do a power strike forward, but then you can also just put your shield up and, and you know, kind of block and dance around. I'm getting very, very good at it to where I can like actually just completely dodge most abilities. And it's really, really fun. And the other thing it's nice when you're strafing, if you jump sideways, you actually move faster than you do forward. So if you're fast enough at doing it, you can kind of turn to the side and then just strafe your way across the map if you have to go long distance. That makes it fun because it's just kind of like a little bit more that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that's funny is I got the adult shield pretty early on because I just kind of ran into this quest and completed it. But because I'm still child link, I, can't, I can use it, but it's so big that when I block, he just curls up into a ball with the shield on his back and you can't move. <laughs> I think I vaguely <laughs> remember that now that you say that. Yeah, it's so funny. I was just laughing. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Um, let's see. What else is there? So, I don't think there's anything else. Uh, the story is, you know, pretty basic. Actually, I, I take that back. The story's a little bit more in-depth than, than I would have thought. It's much more dark than I remember. I remember Major's Mask being much darker than Ocarina of Time. But, I mean, the very beginning, you pretty much get dropped into it, and you find this old tree with a sick-ass mustache. And he's like, hey, dude, right. I've been poisoned. Like, can you go inside and clean out whatever's inside me? And you do it, and he still dies. And he knows going into it that he's going to die. But it's like... It's kind of heartbreaking because you kind of get this, you're, you're befriending this, this creature and you kind of talk him through it and then he just dies, right? And then you kind of start progressing to the game and you understand what Ganondorf's doing and, and kind of the evilness behind him and the corruption with, with the castle. And it's actually a, a much more adult story than I remember. I hmm. thought it was just, you know, the princess is in danger and, you know, you got to go help her by collecting these objects to fight, fight Ganondorf. Right. But I was pretty impressed with it. Uh, this is a fantastic game. If you haven't played... Any of the N64 Zelda games, shame on you. You definitely need to. But I would recommend the first one first. Um, I still enjoy Majora's Mask personally 
more. And that may have to do with the fact that I played it first, as I alluded to earlier. But uh, this is such a fun game, and I will definitely finish this. It may not be by the next podcast, but I'm going to finish this game. It is super-duper fun, and I love... I, one of the other things I was going to say is I love all the side quests. I love the stuff you have to do to get extra hearts and to get larger, you know, bag size for your bombs. And, and the... Um, I got... I did this quest. I, I walked up to this room, right? And there's this... Um, I don't know what they're called. They're like the people that live in the leaves. They they like can burrow in the leaves and pop out and they shoot Dooku nuts at you. And uh, I saw the dude chilling there and he's he's sitting on this branch and there's this this object hanging from a rope in front of him. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to shoot that for fun. You know, just because it's there. I shoot it and I get points. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So I get a bullseye, nice. I get 100 points. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. So I do it three times in a row and he pops out and he's like, wow, nice job. And he just like throws an item to me and I'm like, oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, just, I just I, that's what I love about Zelda. Like, Thanks, if you, you just interact with stuff, and then eventually you figure stuff out. And I found a bunch of different heart pieces because of that, and I found some other you know key items that were just kind of fun. And I'm like, oh, that's what I had to do. I was just fucking around. Like, I was just throwing bombs in different directions, and you know, I hit something and it blew open, and I found a passageway. It's just okay. Like, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> it sounds but, based, based on yeah. what you're saying, it sounds sort of like in a set. I mean, I, I know that. Obviously, these games have a lot of obvious similarities, but um, Breath of the Wild, in the sense that oh, yeah. not only is it open world and all that, but you find things just randomly that you just play around with, and then something that every once in a while happens that you know wasn't part of the story or anything like that. In honesty, that was actually my motivation for playing. I uh, really wanted to play uh, Breath of the Wild again, but I um, chose not to because I really wanted to play this game, and because I, I haven't beaten this one yet. And uh, so, actually, I'll oh, be honest okay. with you. I'm, uh, I'm definitely going to play Breath of the Wild again soon because I actually just got I'm borrowing a system from a buddy of mine so I have the um, I have the appropriate system because I have the Wii U one I bought the Wii U one a little while back so but, but you I don't do but you don't too. but you don't actually have a Wii U yourself right correct yeah when I was I was living with my old roommate and um, he had a Wii U so I bought it for a Wii U instead of because nobody had a Switch in our house and I didn't want to have to buy a Switch but uh, all in all Breath of the Wild's great this game is super fun that's I, awesome. I don't know. Uh, I'm really glad to hear that you liked it so much because it's one of those I haven't played in so long. I don't. I didn't know whether to expect it to hold up well or not. It definitely does. It, it's crazy how much it does. Sick. I mean, as long as you don't get bothered by N64 graphics, I guess that's kind of the concern. Sure. Yeah. Which I definitely do not. Okay. Very nice. That was a good one to hear of. Well, I have a huge backlog of games to talk about, so I'm gonna, we're going to go with three again this time. Nice. To start off with, we're going to do NBA Jam. Ooh, I like it. This is the final game of the load of games that I played when I had that friend of mine visit a, about a month or so ago. Actually, I guess it's probably about two months now. And, you know, I told you we just played video games for yeah. two days straight, pretty much. And um, so, obviously, we had to bust out NBA Jam. This was a big one that he and I used to play all the time when we were younger. At our, whether it was at arcades or on N60, or rather, uh, yeah, uh, <coughs> Super Nintendo or N64. Holy shit, it was Super Nintendo. So whether, so whether it was arcades or Super Nintendo. I'd help you here, but I, I can't. <laughs> he and I played this all the time, and so this is a really fun one for us to go back to and check out. We played the Sega CD version, which is nothing really stands out about it one way or the other in regards to you know the other versions it's just uh it feels just like nba jam doesn't feel particularly special it doesn't feel you know as opposed to other versions and it doesn't feel worse in any way nothing that i noticed at least it does have a few differences i think in the special characters and like the hidden characters that you can uh that you can you know type in codes for and use but i think that's the only difference so 
very beloved sports game. One of the, so this is, I'm sure everybody's familiar with this, a classic arcade sports game that is just designed to be fun, pretty much. Yes, very much so. Nothing, yeah, it's nothing like, you know, Madden games or NBA Live games or anything like that. It is very, very arcadey. It is two-on-two basketball. You can do dunks from half court, basically. You can break the backboard. You can shove each other down, and not there's no fouls or anything like that. The only penalties are goaltending, and I and, and I think goaltending. I think that yeah. pretty much is it. Um, and then obviously the the one of the famous things is you can get on fire. If I think it's if your guy He's makes three, fire. it's if your guy makes three shots in a row, isn't it? Uh, I don't remember, actually. It's been too long for me. I think that's it, and he's on fire, and then when he shoots the ball, it literally is on fire, and it burns up the net when it goes through, and there's also a much higher chance of it. Uh, it's like... Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like you can miss with it. <laughs> I think you as as can, but yeah, I, I think it's basically 90% chance as long as you're like on your half of the court, pretty much. Um, so... And then obviously there's all the uh, the secret characters that you could unlock. It were not not unlock per se in the sense that we think of it now, but just type in codes for. If you type in certain initials, and then if for for everybody, it's you have to type in certain initials, and then um, usually it's like you have to press a certain button to select them or something like that, and then you can unlock tons of uh, different characters. When he and I played, he unlo- he used Bill Clinton, or no, I think he was yeah he was Clinton. I couldn't remember if he was Clinton or Al Gore. But he was he was he he used Bill Clinton and I used the Triceratops. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. The only disappointing thing is the Triceratops' head is way smaller than you would expect, so it looked really kind of ridiculous. But I mean, I guess it's gonna look ridiculous anyways. Um, and uh, so all of the when you're picking a team, basically. I think on my version, it has three characters to pick from on each team. Um, obviously, you only pick... It's two on two, so you pick two of those three. And then when you pick a hidden character... And I don't remember if th- this might be different on some versions, but at least on the version on this version we played, when you use a hidden character, that like secret character does not have his own stats. Basically, he just takes somebody else's stats from whatever team <laughs> you pick. Otherwise, it'd be too broken, more or less. No, I mean, because I think... I-, I could be wrong, but I feel like on some versions that... Like you, if you pick a certain character, they have their own particular stats. It's not like maybe it's not like crazy huge stats, but it's like okay, this guy's good at dunking, or this guy's oh, good at threes, or whatever. Because that's how this that's how the stats are for all the characters. It's like this guy might be a little faster. This might this guy you know ha- they all have bars that show how good they are at threes, or you know just like regular shots or dunks or all that kind of stuff. Um, when you use a hidden character, he just takes over one of the other characters' uh, stats. Um. I'm going to tell you this. We actually got bored very quickly. Interesting. Just because yeah. the limited like kind of skill of the game. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. All it is is you get the ball, you run down your end of the court, pass it if you want to, and then shoot a three or dunk it. Yep. Uh, the other team gets the ball, they do the same thing. And you, it's just back and forth. You try to shove them down while they're doing it, they try to shove you down. Um, I was surprised at really how quickly we both got kind of tired of it. Cause obviously I have very, very, very fond memories of this as I'm sure oh, yeah. everybody does. Uh, and I was really excited to play it. But then as we started playing it, we only played, we only ended up playing one game because we played one. Wow, game. We're was like that boring. Yeah. We were just like, okay, let's play. Huh. <laughs> it was basically, we did that. All right. You want to play some more NHL 94? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Oh yeah, you should. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah. Good alternative. 
And I think it, a lot of it comes down to the fact that you only have two players on your team because there's only so much strategy you can have when there's only just one guy to pass to. Whereas you know, if you're I playing, didn't remember that. I did not even remember that at all. You don't remember what? The fact that there was only two players. I completely forgot. Oh, about you don't that. you didn't remember that? That was like no, one of the, it, that was like one of the main things about it. I completely forgot about that. That's so funny. Yeah, it's just two on two. Um so uh you know, when you're playing NBA Live or something like that, you know, a, a typical a traditional basketball game, you can, you know, and especially on the better on the really good ones like NBA Live, you can you can call your plays even. And if you don't want to mess around with that, you don't have to, but you got, you know, you have to strategize a good bit. You know, you have to pass it around a little bit. Try to find a guy who's open. You know, th- you have to give more thought to whether you want to risk it and go for a three or try to get in a little bit closer. Those games, I feel, I feel like would probably still hold up pretty well. But this one, it's just. So- and again, this isn't really a knock on it. It's just more of a uh, observation that I just don't feel like it's held up because for its time, it was it was amazing. This is the ultimate arcade game. This was made just to be fast and fun and crazy and just let you do crazy shit. And it did that extremely well. It was back then we didn't care about, oh, this game doesn't take much strategy. You know, it doesn't take much to get good at this game. All we cared about was, holy what shit, did you, you see that? What you have to compare it to, right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And it was more like, oh, shit, did you see that dunk? I just like jumped yeah. 45 feet in the air and dunked it. Or like, you know, I just shot half court and the ball was on fire and it burned the net going in. And that was all you cared about, really. It's true. Whereas playing it now, we were just kind of like, it's just very, it just feels repetitive. You're just doing the same thing over and over, very little strategy involved, and uh, that's really all there is to it. Still is really cool, but not as fun as it used to be. So, I'm sorry, that's probably a letdown for most people, because I know it was for No, me. I think that's a, I don't think, I mean, I, I wouldn't be... I'm not super surprised, to be honest with you. Oh, really? Just with how, how things progressed over time. Yeah, I'm not super surprised by it. There's, there's a couple games that I've kind of experienced the same thing with, so that's not too crazy to me. Okay. All right, that's good to hear. I'm glad you aren't mad at me. Plus one, Robert. Well, I'm always mad at you. Except for reason. Oh, okay. Um, how about next one? Let's talk about SimCity 4. Ooh, I don't ever play this section. I had not until somewhat recently. Um, so not too long ago, I played SimCity 3000 for the podcast. And after I played that, I was like, you know what? I just want to go for it and play SimCity 4. Let's just do it. So I did it. Yeah, I know. It was, I was, I was really just committing to this decision. I was like, it's now or never. I'm just going to do it. It was, uh, you know, it was really personal and, uh, I feel like I'm a better person for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway, so SimCity 4. So, you know, same type of game, obviously, as SimCity and SimCity 2000 so. and SimCity 3000. Gameplay-wise, it's it's the same stuff. You are building a city and uh, seeing how it grows and just watching it grow. And that's kind of the fun of it is seeing how your city develops over time, watching how big it gets, seeing what kind of shape it takes, all this kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know... Managing your taxes, making sure you have efficient road systems and all that. You know, make sure, especially make sure you're zoning things correctly. You don't want residential uh, areas next to industrial zones, or else you know everybody's gonna be pissed that they're, that the pollution's too bad and they're not gonna want to live there. So you buffer them with like commercial zones, and you make sure you have police stations and schools and firehouses and hospitals and colleges and stadiums and parks and all that kind of stuff. Um. SimCity 3000 was more or less 
SimCity 2000 with a few tweaks and a much different look. Uh, 3000 took a much more realistic look, whereas 2000 is not cartoony, but definitely that closer to the cartoon end of the spectrum, whereas SimCity 3000 took it much more realistic. SimCity 4 has the same kind of look as SimCity 3000, but they pull it off a lot better. Um, SimCity 3000 didn't look bad, but I don't know if you remember, but one of the th- my, my complaint was that it looked very washed out. All the colors were very drab, and it just wasn't it wasn't particularly pleasing to look at, even though it was, you know, technically the graphics were better, they were a little bit more realistic, but it just wasn't as fun to see your city. I, I prefer the look of SimCity 2000 better. SimCity 4 does a great job of keeping it, uh, you know, saying we're going to improve the graphics, make it look a little bit more realistic, but also make it look interesting this time. And and they did a good job on that. It, the game looks really good. Um, no complaints there. It's, the, it's, you know, up until here, it's definitely the best looking SimCity game. I haven't played, you know, the, the disaster of a SimCity game that they released whenever it was four or five years ago. I, I'm sure it looks better because it came out much, much later. I would hope so. I would hope so. But you never know because they fucked everything else about it too bad, so badly. But, you know, it, it looks very good. One of the major things that I noticed playing SimCity 4, it, it is, it's much more difficult than the preceding really? SimCity games. Like challenging or difficult? I know it's, that sounds similar, but difficult to me is like, it's just stupid and like you have to like almost pay to win or something. Uh, I guess I would say challenging in that case, yeah. based on that definition. Um, it is in, in SimCity 2000 and 3000. I felt like, and f- back, you know, when I played SimCity 2000 originally when it first came out, I did have a little bit of trouble with it. I don't really know why, because when I play those games recently, the two preceding this one, I don't have to pay attention. I don't have to like think about things much. I basically build the city however I want to build it, and I have a positive cash flow. And I don't. I mean, really... you're, you're a better gamer than you used to be, right? Okay. Well, yeah, definitely. But okay. even still, I kind of think back on like, what the hell was I doing? Like, could I have been doing yeah. so bad to not to be? Because I'm because I'm literally not even trying. I'm not like you know. I'm doing basic things to keep the citizens happy. I'm not putting like I said. I'm not putting uh, industrial zones right next to residential. And that I'm doing the basic stuff. But I'm not looking. I'm not paying much attention to taxes or any kind of stuff like this, and I and I have positive cash flow without really having to give any thought to it. SimCity 4, you really, really have to be very careful about what you build, not only not only where you place the zones, but make sure you're not building too much of things that you don't need. For instance, in SimCity, in the in the games previous to this one. You can kind of just put like schools and police stations as long as you have the money to pay for them right then. It's not going to really hurt you in the long run to put one, to plop one, to plop an extra one down here or there. In SimCity Four, when you um, have we don't educate people in SimCity Four. <laughs> when you have a uh, any sort of like public, I'm trying to think of the anything that benefits the public or you know that, that's paid for by the city, a public school, a police station, a fire station, whatever it might be. Not only do you pay for it then, but you have to pay for it on an ongoing basis. And it's individual school by school. Um, Jesus. You have, I'm pretty sure you have, you, you, you probably have some sort of like budget for that kind of stuff in general for the previous some cities. But on this one, it's for each individual building. So the more you build, the more money you're going to be spending each month. So, you, and that can, and that adds up very, very, very quickly um, to the point where if you have one too many of a thing, then you 
might have trouble keeping your budget balanced. So you really have to pay attention to that. I really screwed up the first time because I was used to playing it the old school style. I'm like, oh yeah, let's just put a school here. That'll get used eventually. But then you're paying for that shit ongoing and you don't have enough tax income to, uh, to make up for it. So that's one thing. You have to really be careful about that stuff. And even if you don't have more than you need, then sometimes you need to just lower, you, you go to the individual stations and like lower the budget on this one, lower the budget on that one. Cause maybe it doesn't, you know, needs covers wide of an area, or maybe there's just not a huge population next to it right now. So you really have to manage that stuff much more closely or else you're really going to have money, money issues. You also have to be much more strategic about the roads because there are different types of roads in this one. You know, in, in the other ones, there are basically roads and like interstates and that's almost as complex yeah, as it gets. Right. And this one, there are, I, I want to say three different types of roads before you even get up to interstate. So there are streets and roads and avenues and then, Whoa. and then beyond that, there's, you know, highways, basically, uh, interstates. Uh, and even then there's different versions of those. There's like some that are above, you know, that, that like go above ground and they're, you know, like that are on bridges, basically elevate. And then there's like interstates that, that are just on the ground with the rest of the stuff. So even above that, there's, there's different layers, but streets are basically smaller roads and they're quieter. And you generally put those in residential areas. They, they can uh, accommodate less traffic, but they're also not as noisy and all. So people don't mind them being in their neighborhoods. Then you have roads, which is kind of more traditional, what you're used to building. And they can accommodate more traffic, but you know, they make more noise. They have more pollution. So you only use those really where, and they cost more, they cost more to lay down and they cost more to maintain. So you only put those really where you need them. And then you have avenues, which are basically uh, four lane roads with a median in the middle. And Therefore, you know, longer stretches of traffic where you need to accommodate a lot of people going back and forth. People can go faster there. It can accommodate more traffic. And of course, obviously, there's more noise and pollution with those. And they, and they cost more than the other two. Jeez. <laughs> so a lot of the times what you'll do is when you're starting off, whether it's starting off on your city in general or just on a new kind of little wing of your city, You'll use mostly just the streets, just the small ones, unless it's, you know, maybe in a big industrial zone where, where you don't really care. But even then, if it's early game, you don't want to spend much money, maybe just start off with the streets. Then if it gets, then you can check out the traffic and see where traffic is really bad over time. And if it starts getting bad, then bulldoze it and build roads in their place. And then you maybe, once your city gets big, have a big avenue going along, you know, through one big area to give, to give cars, you know, a good a good way to get from one side of the city to the other more quickly than they can on streets and roads. Um, otherwise you're going to have traffic problems. And also people will not be able to basically it'll count them as being too far away from work if they can't get there in a fast enough time. So, you know, people won't be able to, to get to their jobs and so they won't have work to do and that kind of stuff. Of course. So you really have to manage that much, much more intensely than you did before. It's, it's, it's not really difficult, but it's, it's, if you're not expecting it, which I wasn't, it's kind of, you have to kind of learn by failure and you're like, Oh shit. Okay. I see what I need to be doing. So it kind of, it takes, it just takes a little bit of getting used to if you're used to playing the previous Sim cities. Wow. That actually doesn't turn me off too much. Like yeah. it, the, the, the added challenge, cause I mean, like you were saying, those kind of games that we played, play them now, they're very easy. So having a little bit of extra challenge, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a steep learning curve, especially for people who may not have played a Sim game before, a Sim city game before. 
but it's good for people who want to do a little bit more of a challenge. Right? Like RTSs, like if you go back and play an old, old school RTS, for the most part, you're going to smash them. You're going to be like, oh, this is such a joke if you do basic macro. Yeah. But if you play, you know, for people who haven't played it before, it might be like, whoa, this is a lot to take on. So I yeah. can completely understand. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think this is a negative thing. It is, um, it definitely adds, I, I feel like it adds more to the game. It caught me a little bit off guard at first, but that's fine. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of fun to have more things to have to think about, not just to, you know, Build your city freely without really having to worry about anything. Uh, and then you also can. This is they did have some things like this in the previous ones, but they'll they'll say, "Oh, look, the army is going to pay us three hundred dollars a month to let us house an army base here if, if you're willing to let them do that." And most of the time, I was just letting them do anything that they wanted to anybody who gave me any sort of offer because, again, money's pretty tight, so it really helps a whole lot. One of the things that I had was a missile testing base. <laughs> I, I am a ima- I imagine that you can have some very big catastrophes with that, but I did not have any accidents somehow in, in all the time that I played this, which was quite a while. I, I put probably 12, 15 hours into the game. Uh, never had any disasters with the missile launching base. Uh, I had some other things like oh, a maximum security prison was one of the things they that, that uh, people were paying me to put. I put the I put the maximum security prison right next to the missile launching the missile testing base. Um, That's funny. And then you can, another thing that's different on this one is you can build, you know, obviously you have, you have industrial zones and commercial zones and all that, but there are, um, you know, there's demand for, you know, it'll show you whether you have more demand for residential or commercial or whatever you have that, but it also breaks it down where it'll say like the people are, um, there's a high demand right now for high density residential or high tech industrial or things like that. So, uh, it's a little bit more, uh, granular in that sense. And then you can also build, have big farmlands as well as in, industrial. It counts as industrial, but it's just kind of a new thing that they didn't have previously. It's not all just, you know, it's primarily factories and all that, but if you want to have a big farmland, you can do that as well. Um, like I said, the game looks really good. It looks nice and detailed without looking also boring. Uh, the, the cars are much more detailed also. You can zoom in them and, and watch them drive and stuff, and they actually look like cars. Kind of similar to SimCity 3000, but previous to that, all the cars just look like ants crawling across the road. It's true. Um, there's a day-night cycle, which looks really good. There are also... Does it serve any purpose? Uh, no, it just it just kind of... It doesn't do anything. It's just kind of like so you can see your city at night. Um, and I think it looks, it looks really good. Now, this is something that I didn't play around with... Um, and I'm pulling it up right now to, to make sure I, I, I meant to look this up beforehand. So you can um, create your own, basically, characters to live in the city. And you can watch them and, and see what That's their jobs are. That's actually super cool. Yeah, and I, I meant to test this out. I really didn't play around with it very much because I was just more interested in playing around with the city. I meant to test this out and I forgot to. But it has sims that you can create. And like I said, you see what their jobs are, watch how much they're making, see where they live, where they work and all this kind of stuff. You can also, and I, and I vaguely remember this at the time, I never played this one, but I did play The Sims, and I kind of remember that you can import your characters from your Sims game into SimCity 4, if you had both of those. That was really cool at the time. Um, you can also do things like drive a car around the city if you want, uh, or like fly a helicopter around the city just to kind of see your city from a different point of view or just sort of play around in it as opposed to always being on the outside, you know, building it. So nice, cute little touches that you can kind of play around with. Really, my only complaint is that when you... It's it's awkward 
when you start up a new city because you know in the previous one it's like oh here's your map do you want to you want us to generate a new one for you or you want to go with this okay let's generate a new one and see how it looks and you kind of just randomly generate maps until you get one that you like in this one you pick a like a country basically and then it and then it shows it's not really the whole country it kind of sh- it like I believe like you pick the country, but then it like shows you kind of a zoomed in, like very pretty small portion of the country. And it's on sort of like a grid and you choose which part of the grid you want to build your city in. And so it's all based on these predefined, you know, pieces of land. And that's not that bad, except when you pick a slot, a a spot on the grid on any one of these countries. And you say, I want to build here. I like the way this one looks or, you know, I like the amount of water here or whatever it might be. Then, then that spot is taken over and you can't have another city on the same spot. The only way to do that is basically to reset the game. And even then you can't, you can't like, you can delete it, but then if you want, but then it like deletes it outright. And the only way to get that particular piece of land back is to load it from the series of folders that are that all have oh maps <laughs> that have a million they have a million maps named new map and you have to find the new map that is the specific one that you're looking for and load that and it'd be the right one to get the piece of land that you're looking for of course you do right that makes sense it was really weird i it's kind of a, I, I can kind of see what they're going for. It's kind of neat saying like, oh, here's London. I want to pick this little area right here and build a city on this piece of land. But they did not execute it well at all because it ended up just being really weird and awkward. Um, but overall, SimCity 4 is really good. Probably the best one, honestly. If I had to, you know, I may have a little bit more fun with SimCity 2000, kind of depending on what mood I'm in, what, what I'm looking for at the time. But but honestly speaking, like this is probably the best SimCity game that they made. Wow! Just due to the graphics challenging, the challengeness, the mechanics. Yeah, primarily the primarily the mechanics and the and the, and oh. the challenge. I'd say yeah. Super uh, cool. Everything's a little bit more in depth. Uh, it feels like you really have to try a little bit harder. Um, a little bit more nuance to it. The graphics. Are, are good. I, I, those don't really sway me one way or the other. I think it's really just the gameplay it makes this the best one. So there you have it. SimCity 4 is a very good, very, very, very good SimCity game. And for my last trick, I will talk about Pizza Tycoon. Uh, apparently in, I think in Europe, this was called Pizza Connection. But uh, anyway, it's Pizza Tycoon and it is a, as you can probably guess, it's a simulator, basically a management simulator where you run a pizza chain. And uh, I was way off. huh? I was way off. <laughs> child slavery of some kind. <laughs> well, maybe. So, as you can probably guess, you're starting a pizza. You're starting a pizza restaurant, and you're trying to basically build your pizza empire, uh, beating out the competition, and all that. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and lay this out. Pizza Tycoon has a lot of cool ideas and it is executed not very well at all. So you start a game and you pick your character. Your character is basically, you know, who you are is the owner of your, uh, of your pizza business. Okay. And there are 
I don't know how, but probably like 15 stats for your character. What? You don't need to have stat, at least not this many stats for a character that owns a pizza restaurant. Dexterity is a stat. What? Okay. This does come into play actually later, which we'll talk about, but it's too much when you're starting a fucking pizza management game to be like, what's this guy's health? What's this guy's charisma? What's this guy's dexterity? What's this guy's, you know, basically all you have to, the only things you should pay attention to are uh, money and popularity. If you're popular, uh, more people will kind of uh, like know about you starting off without you having to do as much advertising, I, I believe. Um, but really the, the main thing to pay attention to is how much money does this person have? Uh, obviously, the more money you have, the, the better, the easier start you have building up your restaurant. So you, you, you start this and there are like a million fucking people to pick from. So you're flipping through a million people with a, an entire page of stats to look at. Uh, and finally, you pick your guy. Then you pick uh, the city that you want to start in. There's only there's like five or six cities. It's like you can do, I don't know, fucking Spain. Uh, or I guess that's not a city, is it? <laughs> somewhere in Spain. I don't remember. There was somewhere in Spain, you know, obviously somewhere in Italy. There's New York, there's Chicago, and a few other places. You pick one. Okay, then you pick, then you, so you pick your city. Then you pick the location in the city, the actual building that you want to uh, rent or purchase. At whenever, basically, whenever you start a game, you're not going to have enough money to purchase one, so you have to rent. Then you have to get a loan. So you pull up the screen with the banks that you can call, and there's five banks that you can call to talk to about getting a loan. You click on one, it goes, because you're dialing. You hear it ring, the other person picks up and, and then you say, uh, he gives you options. You say, I want a loan. He says, okay, we can loan you this much and this is going to be the interest. Okay. Well, that's wow, too actually high. the interest too. Yeah. And then you say, oh, well that's too high. So I'm going to call another one. You go back to the screen with like five banks, pick the second one, listen to it, dial, listen to it, ring. The guy answers, really? uh-huh. The guy answers. And then you have a few options on what you want to talk to him about. You ask him about a loan. He tells you. This is how much we can give you. Here's the interest. Okay, that one's a little bit too high too. Let's go to the third one. Go back to the screen with all the banks. Click on that one. Listen to it. Dial the phone number. Listen to it ring. <laughs> Choose the loan option. Listen to it. <laughs> see what he says. <laughs> how much the loan's going to be. Finally, you pick one after 45 minutes. Um, okay, so you've got your... Now you've got your uh, loan. You've picked out a location to rent. You've picked out your character. You know what city you're going to be in. Now it's time to hire your staff. Okay, so let's hire a chef. All right, okay. you pull up your chef screen, um, and then uh, you know the, the sh all of the people you hire have stats. That's understandable. All of their stats make fucking sense. It's like this person is good at serving. This person is good at ba uh, you know at, like making pizzas. This person is polite. This person they're good at making pizzas. Wow, that's important. <laughs> this person is on time to work. This person is trustworthy. Okay, I understand what these stats are. Uh, obviously, the the better their stats are, the the more expensive more they, they are. Yeah, yeah, the more they cost to hire. So you, you pick a chef, then you pick uh then you have to go hire some waiters. So you go back through the same screen, flip through, hire some waiters. Okay. Now you got to hire a manager for your store. Same thing. Flip through, find a few, find a manager to hire. Okay. Got it. Now you need to start building out your store. So you have your location. You need a stove because you can't cook pizzas or an, an oven rather. You can't cook pizzas without an oven. Now it's hilarious because you have this entire like, so you're, you're, when you buy, when you purchase a location for your restaurant, it, there are two areas, 
There's the area where everybody sits and eats. And then there's the kitchen. They're both typically about the same size. But, but like, the kitchen... So, it's probably on a grid of... Uh, I don't remember exactly how much. But imagine maybe a... Uh, I don't know. A 20 by 20 grid. Okay? It's, 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 imagine like 20 by 20 tiles. That's how bigger, okay. that's how bigger kitchen is. So I don't know. That's like 400, that's like 400 tiles that you have to play stuff on. All you have to do is put one oven there and that's all you need. So it's like one, one, two by two oven in this room. And that's your entire kitchen. That's all you have to have. So whatever your kitchen is, is laughably large and has this tiny looking little oven in it. And that's all you need, but that's okay. No big deal. It's just very funny. So then you have, so you have to purchase your stuff. So you pull up a catalog and there are like seven different places you can buy from. Let's check out the first one. Okay. This is their stoves that they got or the ovens they have. Let's look at the second one. These are the ovens that they have. Let's look at the third one. Here are those ovens. Okay. So you pick an oven. Then you have to buy stuff for your, uh, for your dining area. Same thing for each individual thing. You have to buy tables. You have to buy chairs individually. You have to uh, you know, buy, you know, one chair or two chair or three chairs or four chairs, however many you think you need to fill up whatever, however many tables you want. You, you pick out the tile that you want on your floor. You pick out the decorations you want in the dining area, like little plants or pictures or whatever it may be. You can, you can buy arcade machines and stuff. Um, but for each individual, none of this is bad on its own, but for each individual thing, you have to flip through again, like five to 10 vendors, each of which have two to five pages of stuff to look at. It's not, it could have been so much more streamlined, but it is so damn annoying to look through three pages of stuff and then back out. All right, let's see what the next guy has. Look through all his stuff. Okay, let's see what the next guy has. It's just, it's, it just is not necessary at all. So you buy a few tables, buy some chairs, buy a few plants to put around. Um, so now you, more or less it's pointless. (laughs) I mean, it's not pointless. It's, you know, I like the fact that you have to buy this stuff and choose what your kitchen, you know, not your kitchen, but choose what your dining area is going to look like. You get to choose, you know, what the tables are, whether whether they're nice, what colors they are and that kind of stuff. I like the idea of it, but it's so tedious having to flip through so much to pick out what you want. Hmm. Um, So next it's time to uh, create your menu. Okay. So you go to create your menu. And you have to choose bake pizza. And then this is how you add pizzas to your menu. To your menu. You, you, you click bake pizza. And it has a list of different pizzas. Like here's a margarita pizza. Here's a Neapolitan pizza. Here's a fucking vegetable pizza. Here's a like fish pizza. Here's a chicken pizza. This and that. There's, I don't know how many, probably 20 or so different pizzas that you can choose from. So you pick one and it takes you to a screen where you can start making your pizza. Well, you can start just throwing shit together. Uh, there's a few drop-down menus at the top. You pick, you know, anything, any combination of stuff you want to put on there and just start plopping it on. Um, you probably don't know this unless you have unless you have actually read the manual, which obviously nobody does nowadays, but you have to... Uh, the manual has the actual recipes for each of the individual pizzas and you're in and, and what you're supposed to do is replicate the pizza in the manual as closely as you can, or else people are going to think your pizza is terrible basically. Okay. So you pick like, um, 
for instance, like the margarita pizza. And you look at the picture on there and it, and it tells you what the ingredients are as well. So you try to use roughly the same amount of stuff as it looked like is on the picture of the manual, which if you buy the game from GOG, it does have a download of the manual, which they do for a lot of their games, which is really cool. Um, and then try to kind of, I, I don't know if it matters so much how you place the stuff on there, but you try to make it look generally the same, use roughly the same amount of stuff. Um, so if it's, you know, again, for instance, maybe it's a margarita pizza you put down. One of the weird things is, is there's no tomato sauce in the game. Instead of tomato what? sauce, instead of tomato sauce, you line the entire bottom of the pizza with fucking tomato slices. So it's got like 20 slices of tomatoes covering this pizza. What you... reasoning could you think of? <laughs> that, you know what I mean? The reasoning, I think, is because it's all very discreet, um, whereas pizza sauce would be kind of more like a fill. Whereas this yeah. is like, I, I guess it's just their engine for the, the engine that they, that they built, like didn't really accommodate spreading tomato sauce on a pizza for whatever reason. So they're like, oh, just cover it in tomatoes. It'll be good enough. So you pick tomato and it gives you a tomato slice. Uh, and then you click all over the pizza until it's covered in tomato slices. Then you say, okay, what's next? Okay. It needs this kind of cheese. All right. So here's a block of it this. Makes me want pizza, by the way. <laughs> here's a block of this cheese. There's a little there's a little grinder thing in the bottom corner of the pizza screen that you can use to cut up basically any of the ingredients. Um, so you can cut that up into little chunks of cheese or cut it up a second time into shredded cheese. So you shred the cheese, put that all over the pizza and then do the same thing with oregano. Then whatever else the other ingredients are, you get, you get those, cut them up. However, to whatever degree you think that they need to be cut up, place them on the pizza the best that you can and uh, and then after you're done building the pizza, then you um, then you tell it that you're finished. Okay. And it makes the pizza, and then it takes you to this random screen where it has like eight people grade your pizza. Uh, I don't know what they're grading it out of, but I think it might be out of twenty because all and all of mine, I followed pretty close to what was in the manual, and I got like eighteens most of the time. So I think it's out of 20, but unless I just was really terrible at it. Um, but I think I was pretty close. So they tell you how good it is. And then that's basically how good, how much people are going to end up liking the pizza. So you do all that. And that's one pizza that you have on your menu. Oh, and by the way, once you have it on your menu, then you have to go look at how much the ingredients cost for that. And then how much, and then you have to go to a different screen to choose how much you're going to charge for that pizza. Then you go back and you're like, well, I need more than one pizza in my pizza restaurant. So you have to go through this process. It takes like 10 minutes to make a pizza and you have to do this, you know, for however many, if you want more than one pizza, then you just have to do that however many times until you're satisfied that you have enough pizzas or until you think you have enough, that's going to attract enough pizza, be uh, enough people oh because, <laughs> because different demographics will, you know, like different types of pizzas. So if you only have a margarita pizza, that's only going to type uh, attract one type of customer. So you have to have, you have to do this multiple times in order to have any chance at success. You can also do, uh, create your own pizza and it's kind of, uh, you know, part of it, you know, they, they do, you know, there's some sort of, some sort of grading system where it does it like semi-realistically like, Oh, people are going to like this or not. Uh, but you also get some sort of, uh, like renown a little bit for, for coming up with your own recipe, which is kind of neat, but like. It's really funny because a lot of the ingredients you can, you know how I told you there's a the little chopper in the corner that can chop stuff up. Yeah. Well, like 
There's nothing. There's nothing keeping you from just dropping a whole fucking onion on top of your pizza, which is which is like I did that a few times and it doesn't seem to affect how much it, like whether you chop it up or not doesn't really seem to affect anything. So I did have one pizza that was like, you know, here's some pepperonis and stuff, and then like a chunk of garlic in the middle, or like the one that I for my for my custom pizza I had squid tentacles all over the pizza. It, all it was was a dry pizza with squid tentacles all over the place and an entire banana just dropped on top of it like not even peeled or anything you're disgusting <laughs> what, what was the what was the reaction they all gave it twos which is out of how many sir i think it's out of 20 okay. <laughs> so I, I i had fun doing that just for the sake of saying i made a squid pizza with an entire damn banana just sitting on top of it uh, and again, so you got to do this for however many wanted pizzas you have. You got to do at least three or four or five pizzas. So that takes forever just to get through this. Okay. So now you've picked your character. You've pictured your city. You've picked your location. You've picked you, you've gotten a loan. You've hired a chef. You've hired waiters. You've hired a manager. You've purchased an oven. You've purchased all this stuff for your dining area. You've spent an hour baking pizzas and looking them up in the manual and trying to recreate them as well as you can. And then choosing how much they're, they're going to cost. All right, well, now you have to go buy the, your ingredients for your, store, for, your, for your restaurant. You have, to go buy all, you have to go buy all the ingredients. So it's back to another menu where you're flipping through 10 different fucking vendors, looking at how much their prices are, going back and forth, comparing, see who has the cheapest cheese, see who has the cheapest pepperoni, see who has the cheapest oregano, who's got the best tomatoes. There are, you might have like 50 ingredients based on what pizzas you chose. And you got to just make sure that you buy enough of all your ingredients that you're going to be able to serve people. Again, none of these ideas are bad on their own, but it takes forever to do any given thing. Keep in mind, we haven't even started really playing the game yet. Uh, what's next? Okay, so so you got so then you got all your ingredients. Now you have to buy advertising. Okay, do you want to advertise in the newspaper or on billboards or on TV or on the radio? Again. Many choices, none of which are bad. It just takes forever to go through all these. It's like, okay, you want to do TV. All right, here are your five options for what your TV commercial can be like. Uh, here are your options for what their bill, your billboard can look like. It takes forever. From Then, once you buy your advertisements and you've done all the other stuff, then you can start playing. You open your restaurant, continue, pretty much continue adding new pizzas to your menu, uh, and then you, you know, if you don't go bankrupt in a week, which I did, then you can start expanding your pizza empire. I don't know how you're supposed to make money in this game. I did everything as good as I felt like I could, and I went bankrupt in a week. I think this game is trying to do too many things at once, and I don't know. Like, I'll be honest with you, this game sounds like way too much for a pizza <laughs> selling simulation. I mean, yeah, I think it, they take it way too far with requiring you to recreate these pizzas with these very specific ingredient amounts. Um, a lot more of it could be streamlined. Some, some more of it could be automated. It just, I don't really have a problem with anything individual besides some of the pizza making stuff, but really it was just kind of insane how long it takes to do any given thing. Now there are some cool other things that I, that I didn't talk about that I just played around with a little bit. Uh, I went back and loaded up my game and just kind of experimented with these just to see how they just see how they work. There is some other really kind of cool stuff, honestly. So if you if you don't go bankrupt in a week, 
Uh, so which you know, as the as you're playing the game and do this stuff, you do see people like come in and out of your restaurant. You watch them eating at the table. That's kind of a neat little touch. And you can click on them while they're eating, and they'll kind of tell you your their thoughts about what they're eating. And they'll basically say like, "I'm eating the cheese pizza. I wish I was at this other pizza place instead." Wow. <laughs> like stuff like that most of the time, really. Um, but you can also call like local mobs and. You can so be it's like, like real life, then. just like real life, and you'd be like, "Hey, tell me about your ice cream." Like in quotes. Basically, what you can do is you can get you can do like illegal arms trading to earn extra money. So they'd be like, "Oh, here are the flavors we have this week," and it's like rocket launchers, grenade launchers, Uzis. <laughs> oh my god! Once again, this is still the pizza simulation game, correct? <laughs> yes. And you can buy them and go try to sell them to other people. You know, it's basically like drug wars uh, where you just are, you're trying to buy and go and sell them to other people and, and, and make money on that. The thing, the problem is you can like get busted by the cops for doing this. So it's a little bit risky, but if you need money, it's a really funny way to, to earn money. I really do give them big props for doing this because it's like completely out of nowhere, but it's really neat. I, 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 I guess I like the fact that it's completely out of nowhere. You can also buy um, stuff to sabotage your competitors' stores. You oh, can that's buy, cool. yeah, you can buy rats to put in the restaurant. You can buy laxatives to put in their food. This would be a fun phone game. You know what I mean? Like if you're playing with other people. Yeah, and it does have multiplayer. It does have multiplayer, which is really cool. Um, what else? I feel like there was something else along those lines. But oh yeah, one time I caught the first, the very first time I caught up the mob, I was like. It gives you, you know, of course, five different mobs to call. You pick one. You listen to it. Dial the phone number. You listen to it ring. He answers and asks you what you want to talk about. It's your options are like, you know, asking about his ice cream, asking about, you know, a few other like code word type things or like one of the things was like, what illegal guns do you have for sale or something like that? And if you choose that, then he's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I don't know what you're talking about. And he calls the police and you get put in jail for like a week and they charge you a shitload of money. Oh my God. <laughs> That's funny as hell. Yeah, it really is. And I f- come to find out doing these illegal jobs is where stats like dexterity and stuff comes into play. That all has to do with if the police catch you, like what your chances are of getting of like getting away or not is. So that's where all that stuff comes into play. Uh, a whole lot of pretty neat concepts. But it is just so bogged down at every turn by the uh, by the user interface, by having to flip through a million things to do one simple thing, and by you know, there's no tutorial. Of course, this is old school. There's no there's a lack of explanation everywhere. That obviously gets to it a lot. Uh, that's obviously very difficult to to, to, to kind of get past. It's even kind of it's even hard to get started because it doesn't tell you when you start the game. It's not like it, it tells you to choose a city. And then all you see is a, is a, a screen of a, of a trillion buildings and some random icons that you can click on. And so you even just th- knowing what to do from there, I had to look up a tutorial and be like, what am I supposed to be doing right here? Too much stuff gets in the way. It has some cool stuff, but way too much gets in the way of, of the cool parts of the game. That's Pizza Tycoon. I mean, is that it? Oh my God, that's it? That's That's it. You talked about more about that game than I talked about during that time. <laughs> Pizza Tycoon, Jesus. <laughs> I love Roller Tycoon. Well, liked it. I wouldn't say I love that. I played it recently, and it was very simplistic. Oh, really? Roller Coaster Tycoon yeah, it was one. As a kid, 
and then you kind of get into it and you're like okay it's really easy like yeah you you just yeah it's it's not hard at all. the first one yeah the first um, and the second one okay. fun, the I second mean, one was the it, one that everybody loves so much the thing is like it's one of those games you could have on in the background you know really it's just that yeah there's just not a lot going on at all times i have it on gog i really need to I, i've Tried it a few times and just like didn't get a chance to get very far. I really need to uh, to finally give Roller Coaster Tycoon a shout out. Yeah, I, I would out. say as well. The only one of my favorite things about it is building your own custom roller coasters. is very fun because you know you can do all this crazy shit and you know, yeah. Gotcha. Uh so anyway, there's Pizza Tycoon. It's not as good as Roller Coaster Tycoon. I'll tell you that much right now. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> all right. With that out of the way, why don't we tone it down a little bit? What'd you say? We're going to tone it down a little bit and talk about our five oh. most relaxing games. Well, do you want to turn on some music for this part, or do you want to just keep turn it the music. Like, kind of nonchalant, or what are you thinking? Dim the lights. We're just watching a movie. Oh, is that what we're doing now? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's accurate at all. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, kind of... Um... Kind of concerned a little bit. You want to you elaborate here, Robert? Or This week's top five. This episode's top five is top five most relaxing classic games. Uh, why don't you hit us off with your number five, Jay? Sure. I'll get my, my boring one out of the way. Okay. Um, so, uh, obviously, I've been playing a lot of StarCraft, and StarCraft is a very not relaxing game. It's a very stressful game. High intensity, short bursts of just going bananas oh, for not re- yeah. 15, 20 yeah, very, very not relaxing. But in between playing that, I've been, obviously been playing Ocarina of Time. And I figured out that a lot of puzzle-oriented games are very relaxing. It's, it's very nice. There's, you know, it's, it's enough, there's enough difficulty to a lot of Zelda games to where it engages you, but it's not overly difficult or frustrating. And there's not really any mechanics that kind of get in the way of that. So my number five is, I would say, specifically Zelda Ocarina of Time uh, will, will suffice. But I mean, really, any Zelda game that I've played so far, kind of puzzle-oriented game, I think, is, is a pretty, big, good, pretty good way to go about it. Okay, cool. My number five is also a puzzle-oriented game, but it is strictly a puzzle game. That is Mario's Picross. I mean, you could put any Picross game in here, uh, but Mario's Picross is the one that I've played uh, as far as as far as classic games go. I, there was a, I think there was a Mario Picross on Super Nintendo, but the 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 the, the original Mario's Picross was a Game Boy game, and uh, I for me just in general, kind of for the. Sort of same reasons, maybe. Um, it's just kind of nice to have a game where you... It, it's, it engages you, but you don't have to, like, really... You can take it at a very, very slow pace at the same time. Okay. Um, very... Not simple, but very straightforward. Um, you have to give it some thought, so you're not just... It's not kind of, like, mind-numbing and all that. And, uh, and it just kind of is... just You can just chill out and play it. Number four. Oh yeah, right. Number four. Uh, so mine actually similar <laughs> line of thought is another Mario. Or it's a, another Mario game. Um, I was originally going to go with Mario 64, but then I realized how frustrating that game was and how not relaxing and kind of stressful that game is. Um, so my number four is Super Mario Sunshine. Um, I think the theme of Super Mario Sunshine, in combination with the mechanics and the overall story of the game, is just kind of fun and playful, and it is very relaxing to play. I, I've played it. I played through a couple times. I remember just the entire time, not really getting frustrated. There's a couple of stuff you can do kind of side quest stuff that can be very frustrating uh, mechanically but other than that the overall kind of flow of the game and, and the visuals and the fact that it's very beach oriented just kind of i don't know it, it's it's very it's a very positive themed game so it's, it's 
it's, it's enjoyable. It's very cool. relaxing. Very relaxing, as we say. All right. My number four is Mario Paint. Hmm. Uh, I mean, the whole purpose of this game is just to chill out and just draw or color or play around with music. One of the most chill <laughs> games out there, honestly. Yeah. Um, For sure. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just you you just chill out and do whatever you want, whatever you feel like doing. Let me let me kind of elaborate on that because uh, it's on it's also the next one on my list as well. But yeah, uh, oh, is totally, it really? Yeah, I was like looking at this for a little bit and I was like, oh, would this is Mario Paint really like? I was kind of going back and forth. I'm like, no, this game's super relaxing. Even like the the most difficult part, the the bug swatting game where you swat uh, swat the bugs with the fly sweater is still very relaxing. It's just kind of just simple game with very basic mechanics and it's like a little bit challenging but not to a point where you're gonna get frustrated and like you said the the painting part is is very fun especially you know because you can just kind of do whatever you want with it and whatever comes out of it you're like so what right i did what i did <laughs> yeah all right nice my number three is really you could pick any one of the any one of these of, of the same era oh, no i'm gonna go with grand theft auto san andreas wow that yeah. I disagree with this one. Really? Those games frustrate the hell out of me sometimes. Well, the controls are just ugh. They ahead. they can be frustrating, but if you're just playing around open world and you're not worrying about doing the missions and stuff, um, th- these games are really f- for me are really good at just letting you just okay. chill out and do whatever you feel like doing. Fly a, fly a jet around the city if you want, or ride fly a, a bike around. Fly a tank. <laughs> ride a bike. Just run around and shoot things. To run, you know, drive a motorcycle a million miles an hour and try to launch it off of a bridge or like up a hill or, you know, go explore in the woods or just do whatever you want. Um, you know, Grand Theft Auto 3 is, is good for this. Grand Theft Auto Vice City is good for this. But San Andreas was without a doubt the best out of all those. And so uh, it just kind of has more options than the rest of them. So choose your poison, any one of those. But uh, for me, it's, it's San Andreas. I'm glad. I thought you were going to go with what my number two is because you were saying like such a broad series. Uh, for me, my number two is going to be really you can pick any of them, kind of like you were talking about with San or with uh, Grand Auto. But this is Pokemon. Pokemon games are so easy. They're oh, they're wow. simplistic enough to where you can just kind of do what you want to do. You can go around just catching random Pokemon and talking to random people and just battling people. Or if you want to, you can go gym by gym and just start decimating. You know, throughout the game, the games are relatively linear. I mean, pretty pretty linear, but. Um, I just like, I don't know, I really enjoy exploring a lot of the different areas, especially when you get to the later stage of the game where you have the freedom to just kind of wander around and do what you want to do. Um, I just love kind of wandering around different areas, finding different Pokemon, you know, interacting with different people and, and doing some of the, the minor quests or side quests that are involved. Nice. My number two is Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Ooh, I missed this one. Good call. <laughs> um, you know, again, same thing. You just... I, I mean, I guess there, there, there is, you could say there is a little bit of it, a little bit of stress in the fact that the, uh, say, the levels are timed. Yeah, a little frustration. And, and you do have a time limit, correct, on, on the levels? Uh, it depends. If you're doing the real game, usually yes. If if you're just doing kind of, you can do, like, I believe in some of the later installments, like Underground and stuff, you can just kind of do unlimited time and just practice stuff and okay. explore the levels and stuff. I'm pretty sure. Well, to me, this this game was, was really relaxing because you just skate around and do tricks. Yeah. And with good music. Don't forget good, the music. Yeah, with good music, with 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 uh, funny looking characters, and oh, yeah. um, just just skate around, try to find little spots that you didn't know existed in the levels, or just try to get try to figure out how to get to places, or don't even worry about it. just just do sweet jumps and stuff. It's a good one. Yep. 
All right. What's uh, the, this is number what's, one. Yeah, most relaxing oh, game man, of all time. Good. So I'll say in this game, you can catch bugs, you can collect fruit, you can fish, you can build up your house, you can do a part-time job. This is Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing for the GameCube is such a relaxing game. It's just a very positive, fun game where you just wander around talking to your talking to your your neighbors, doing a variety of different tasks for them. You can do a job if you want to, if you really really want to um, start progressing the game. But if you want to, you can just wander around. You can do the fishing tournaments. You can do side quests for people. Just walk around collecting fruit, chopping down trees, digging up stumps, planting other trees. It's just an all around, just a very kind of slow paced, very enjoyable and keyword we keep using relaxing style game like you you obviously can take it seriously but even if you wanted to there's no real time constraints in this game it's just kind of doing what you want to do when you want to do it that sounds like i've i've not played it but that sounds like the perfect choice for this list i have very rarely been frustrated by this game and usually it's like if the carpet salesman shows up and i don't have any money that's when i get frustrated oh, really? or nook is selling something and i don't have the money to buy it. yeah like it's it's so uncommon for me to get frustrated with this game do you think it holds up Yes and no. Um, I played it recently, and I had some fun with it, but it is a very time-consuming game. You, In order to progress in this game, it's a lot of hours, and it's very repetitive, too. Especially, like, most, most of your income comes from fishing. Um, so okay. you are fishing a lot, and it's just, I don't know. You're making me want to play it by talking about it, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty simplistic game overall. Okay. I would def- if you're going to play one, I'd probably suggest playing one of the newer ones because there's a little bit more to it. Um, but, yeah. All right, my number one, and looking at this now, I might put it a little bit lower and put maybe Tony Hawk higher, or maybe even Grand Theft Auto in first place. But anyway, the one that I have is SimCity 2000. <laughs> Aha, good one. Um, just, I, I always used to really like, it's just something very relaxing about just kind of sitting back. Oh, yeah. Placing down some buildings, watching the city grow building roads you know and has a decent soundtrack too yeah it does it's true has a decent soundtrack you know enough to keep you interested it's not stressful at all though you know slow pace but not so play so slow that it just makes you fall asleep you know um (laughs) just just really fun just to chill out and watch it and see how your city comes to life all right next top five good list good list jay yours is a little better than mine but Almost. Except well, just just barely. It was yours is barely better. <laughs> I have a li- I have a few ideas for top five. Let's. I don't. I don't. Uh, so that we don't have to worry about listing all of my ideas. Tell me. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pick one. You tell me if, if you think it sounds good, and we'll just go with it. I would like to add the top five opposite of what we did today as a potential for the future. Oh, okay. Most five like most stressful games. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Let's go with it. Wait for next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, nice. I was just saying for the future, but that's fine with me. No, let's do it. Most stressful game. So, top five most stressful games is <laughs> I'm our... i stressed uh, out. <laughs> just thinking about it. Is our game, is our list for episode oh, 110. I'm going to type it in. going in my head. All right. You heard it here first. You know what else you heard here first? Dynamic. These emails. Let's start off with this one from Charles. I'll, I'll uh, let me see. Let me actually check something. Okay, yeah, these are about the same. So I'll, I'll start off. Charles says, "Hey guys, not gonna, 
Uh, sorry, not going to go into a lot of detail on these. I realized it was pretty difficult to explain why something is relaxing. For me, it's mostly about familiar familiarity and fun. So something that is action-packed or heavily reliant on timing and precision can still be relaxing if I've done it so many times it's second nature. These days, I find open-world RPGs pretty relaxing, where I can do a couple quests and then leave the game without, substantial, without substantially interrupting the flow. Fighting games are generally not relaxing for me because of the intense burst of action. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And the fact that I'm generally not great at them. But these <laughs> are games that I have found relaxing generally after I've beaten them or played them for a while. Number five, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Vice City, PS2. Either this one or GTA 3 would do. I just love the music in Vice City, and the addition of the motorcycle was great, but I spent a lot of time riding around doing dumb stuff in this game. Getting the army to chase me, stealing their tank, or the Apache helicopter, doing stunt jumps. It was a great time killer, and even though most of the time I was creating mayhem in the game, it was still relaxing. Yeah, 100%. That's, okay, that's, Robert, you I, were right. Sorry. <laughs> hey, you know, another thing that, that I left out is just... Driving around and doing crazy like crashes, also. Yeah, it's true. I definitely. When he said that, I was like, okay, I agree with Robert now, specifically because of that. I'll be honest with you. There was this. I may have. I, I'm. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself because I've probably talked about this before in the past. But um, there's this one thing that a friend of mine discovered that you could do. I think this was in San Andreas, where you could um get a um these little tractors from that were on like farms and stuff, okay. and you could hook up um. You could you could go and back them up to like the eighteen wheelers like cargo thing whatever you call that you know, and you could actually hook it on, and or no no what was it it was no I thought okay no I take it back I think what it was was we would hook up tractors to other little tractors because they have a hook on the front I believe okay something like that and we would get a train of like six of them and there was this one particular hill we hill we found where you could start going. Uh, really fast because it's downhill and then your tractor starts swerving a little and then once they do it's basically like impossible to read to like to get them straight again and eventually they start swerving and then they just like fling off and you turn sideways and the rest of the ones that were hooked on you just shoot off so far in the distance that you can't even see them anymore it looked absolutely hilarious but i digress back to charles list number four. Oh wow this one's surprising to me mike tyson's punch out Wow. Must this, be that good. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. This game is relaxing because we all know all the tricks now to beat at least the first several No, fighters. what? I mean, I know them, but still, they're <laughs> so hard to execute. You're crazy. And even though our timing on Bald Bull's bull charge might not be what it once was, it's still a breeze to play through until maybe Soto Popinski. Great music also and fun dialogue in between rounds. I love the dialogue between rounds. I will give you that. I have played this surprisingly little. I, I I will get to it sometime. Roberto, I'm disappointed. Super Mario 64 is number three. This is a oh. lot of fun to just roam around exploring and trying to get all the stars. I haven't played Odyssey, but it says a lot that many have said this was the king of Mario games until Odyssey. Cool. Number two, NCAA football, PS2 or PSX. Any year of this is fine as long as they had introduced the recruiting feature in the offseason. I've played through a 25-year coaching career in this game. Wow. Taking multiple teams to national championships. If you love college football, and I do love college football, this game's release every year was a huge event. It's a shame they stopped making it five years ago, although the online community has kept updating the player rosters. That's crazy. A 25-year coaching career on, on NCAA. 
And number one, Tetris. He says NES or Game Boy. It's crazy how big Tetris was when it first came out. It was a huge boost for the Game Boy, which was already a pretty great system. My mom even played Tetris. And of course it was popular because it's such a great game. Super relaxing, takes little thought or effort on the normal play mode and still fun. The music was also mesmerizing. I've also got some suggestions for future top fives. Ooh, nice. You may have already done some of these in the past. Okay, I'm going to pull up my list and I'll jot these down. Um, let's see. His, these are his suggestions for top fives. Fighting game special moves. Oh, that's, kind of, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm going to write it down. Weapons from games. We have done that one. Yeah, I think we have, haven't we? I think we've done this next one. So sequel flops or worst sequels. I'm pretty sure we've... I would be very surprised I if we haven't done that one. So, yeah. Games you regret playing. Ooh. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'll, I'll write it down. Um, I, I don't... We'll have to figure out exactly what we mean by regret playing. Like, was it just a bad game? Or do we, like... Wish we could erase it from our memory for some reason. So I'll, I'll write that down. We can kind of take whatever slam that we want. Uh, peripherals. That could be good. Interesting. I think you would have more to say about that than I. Just kind of based on maybe how yeah. much stuff you did with. Mini games or alternative gameplay sequences. I think we may have done this one. Most surprisingly good games. I think we've done that one. Like games that we didn't expect to be good. But were do you think uh, does that sound familiar to you? I, I think so. Yeah, think we've, so I mean, we've done so many lists now. I didn't even think about this. And his last one: current or last gen games you'd like to game genie and how? <laughs> All right, I'll write that's that funny. one down as well. Yeah, thank, thank you for those ideas. Yeah, thanks, Charles, for the suggestion for the suggestions. My favorite one is the fighting game special moves. All right, we'll Ooh. keep we'll keep those in mind. I'm sure we'll eventually get to all these, but uh, obviously, it'll be a be a while. Uh, he says, that's all. I enjoy the podcast. Keep it up, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. You get the honor of reading Chase the Night Cleaners. Of course. Welcome, Chase. He says, wow, I'm such a big fan of Jay. Oh, uh, let's see here. Hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here. Again, laying down this here email for all y'all. It's not redundant. <clears throat> he says, so what's up? Do you guys have a dozen emails again? This section has been consistently busy for the last few shows, and I think that's really awesome. Everyone loves the games they love, and you give them a place to talk about it. These guys. Next top five, in no particular order. And this is the most relaxing. Um, a, or I guess the first one listed, Final Fantasy VI. If you like JRPGs, this, is, this oldie is a treat. This game has grinding, which is therapeutic for me. I'm actually right there with you. I truly enjoy oh, wow. you grinding like it grinding? sometimes. Um, I love, yeah, actually... So there's certain times like I've had a really long day and I'll sit there if I'm playing a game that's grindy. It just allows me to do something with my hand. processing it through my mind. Oh, yeah, you, I don't you, know. you broke up for a second. It allows you to what? Oh, it just kind of allows me to work through like if I'm like frustrated with something that happened during the day or just kind of like, you know, just, it just gotcha. while I'm grinding, I can kind of think, you know, it just, just kind of works. Okay. Uh, plus a solid soundtrack plus playing it now just lets me get my, my nostalgia riled up. I love this game and a few things uh, and, and few things chill me out more than playing a game I really enjoy. Uh, Pokemon, any mainline game. It's a light JRPG with customizable party and lots of grinding, exploring, and capturing mechanics. Plus the challenge of trying to be the very best like no one ever was. Just saying. <laughs> uh, this Nintendo player, uh, sorry, he says, just saying, this Nintendo player don't play around when it comes to Pokemon. I get paid by the pound. Wow, I think I know what your secondary job is. Yep, that just <laughs> happened. So. 
Uh, next one, Master of Orion 2, Battle for Antares. Is that you say, Antares? Uh, let's go with it. Okay. This game soundtrack was designed to unwind. An approachable 4x four four turn-based space game. <laughs> four times. <laughs> yeah. Is it 4x? Or... It, no, it is 4x. I, I, oh, okay. I don't... I, I was if I hadn't been reading if I hadn't like seen the rest of the sentence I would see four X and think four time also but just, yeah it sounds funny four time turn based track <laughs> uh, with a great soundtrack and all the things that help define and set the benchmark for an entire genre I know Rob bounced this game uh, bounced off this game hard but it's only because we finally have gotten to the point in the last few years where other companies found ways to improve on the four X formula yeah that's this I, game, I, I I agree with that by the way I think I, if I hadn't played so many other more recent games that have kind of mastered the genre than, uh, yeah, I would have absolutely loved this. You mastered Master of Orion? Okay. <laughs> um, this game is still a treat for me, and I'm happy to pass the time with it. Next one, Mario Kart 64. I'm going to stop you right there, Chase. This is not a relaxing game. This is the kind of game that makes it so you no longer have friends. This, prevent, this makes people delete phone numbers, Facebooks, sometimes throw objects, including controllers. This is not a relaxing well, game. Well, if you don't have any friends, then you don't have any obligations to, to be social, you can just relax at home. Touche. Touche. Uh, you might think a racing game would rile one up in all the wrong way, but I'm just so used to Mario Kart 64 that the computer isn't really an issue anymore. And honestly, bouncing between first and second never got my blood boiling, and I know all the tricks to make sure I have the points I need to win the circuit, not just the race. Also, knowing the track so well that you can basically zone out while playing it is a hell of a thing to experience. Interesting. Right. Uh, next one. We love Katamari PS2. This game was goofy to the extreme, had multiplayer if you wanted it, let you change your character and let you roll up on the whole world, or, excuse me, uh, let you roll up the whole world into a ball only to be ridiculed by a super strange dad. It was a great sequel to the first game and its unusual mechanics and electric music make, it, make it a standout. Eclectic. eclectic, excuse me. Good catch. Uh, make it a standout as something that just makes you smile to play even today. This was actually on my list. This fell off to something else. Oh, well. Um, yeah, I actually thought I, I, the time constraint kind of pushed it over the edge for me. I was thinking like time constraint. I, I don't. I think you can play an open one where you don't have a timer, but I just remember the time being kind of stressful at times. And, oh, I remember that on the first one for sure. Yeah. yeah. And he says, and that's it. Now for my question of the day: Do you ever talk about games with your coworkers, or has gaming ever come up in a conversation with someone you work with? Want to take us first? Uh, sure. Well, I don't really have any coworkers because I work at home, but. When I, when I did work in a real type of, uh, like, typical... You have of, a real job, don't say. No, no, no. In, in, I mean, like, in a typical work okay. environment. Um, not really, but there was one lady whose uh, husband was really into... Not really into, but fairly into games. And every once in a while, she she was like... She wasn't really into gaming, but she was into nerdy stuff like I was. Like, uh, I don't fucking know. Like, the same kind of movies and TV shows that I watch. She was into like science fiction type stuff. And so I would talk with her about it and she'd be like, oh yeah, my husband plays this and that. And um, that was kind of the most that I ever met somebody at, at work that did, that, that really played any games or anything like that. So yeah, not really, not for me. So for me, I actually avoid talking about, I, I have talked to my coworkers about video games and I avoid it like the freaking plague because oh, really? most of my coworkers are, <laughs> yeah, they have no idea what they're talking about. So obviously you know, <laughs> I have a history, like just, I have a history of playing games at a very high caliber. I've commentating games. So I have a very good understanding of a lot of games. So it's really frustrating to talk to people who have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> and people will throw their opinions out and judgments on games. And it just completely blows my mind. 
And usually when I say, you know, people are like, oh, what do you do with free time? Like, I play video games. They're like, oh, do you mean like Minecraft? That's that's probably the most <laughs> common response I get. And it's just like, oh, geez. Or somebody tells me about how they're the best Call of Duty player of all time. And that's that's a very common occurrence as well. <laughs> oh, really? So I was not saying if I ever mentioned like, Call like, of Duty. Oh, man, it's so funny. Like, I, I was talking to one of my coworkers recently, and, you know, we were talking about something. And, oh, she was bragging about the fact, tell me, like, you know, her boyfriend's very good at Call of Duty. And I'm like, oh, that's that's really cool. And then she's like, yeah, he's ladder. And I'm like, I want to spoil it for him. Like, I guarantee your boyfriend's not number one on ladder. Oh, she said one he was number one on ladder? Yeah, like, he, <laughs> he was like, yeah, he told me he's, like, number one on ladder. And I'm like, and I had him like, yeah, I'm going to call bullshit right there. Just because, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're number one on ladder, that means you're more than likely playing professionally. Right, so. that's what I was about to say. <laughs> Just, it, I guess it's just a lack of understanding. You know, it'll definitely change over time. Um, you know, as the next generation and adults are going to have, like, like us. I mean, I'm almost 30, so I guess I'm technically an adult. <laughs> uh, I have a much better understanding of video games than my parents ever did and ever will. You know, with time, avoid it like the freaking plague, or I just kind of zone out when they're talking about it. Right, you're like, oh, cool, okay, nice. That's great. Oh, yeah. Tell me about how your son spent $400 on Minecraft. That's great. One time I was on a plane and uh, I was playing Final Fantasy Tactics on my iPad and the lady next to me goes, is that Minecraft? Uh, that's exactly, that's the kind of shit that I run into. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. You don't have experience with it. But in my head, I'm like, Jesus, like, it's like night and day. <laughs> yeah, I know. I go, no, it's a game called Final Fantasy. And she goes, oh, my kids are into Minecraft. Yeah, there it is. Right. Told you. It's, it's like the most common thing I get. Or, or oh yeah, my son spends all of his allowance on Fortnite and all the skins and stuff. That's, that's the two things I get the most. <laughs> Do you play Fortnite? No, no, I don't play Fortnite. I've played Fortnite. I don't play. All right, moving Nothing on. Nothing against either of these games. Right. No, that, I mean that's funny because my daughter loves Minecraft and Fortnite. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. It's just you know that's the first two things people think of because it's the only things that they know, right? So right, I get that. Okay. Wow, my thing is screwed up. Um, he says, I do, regarding his question, he says, I do, and actually I recently got my manager to play Fortnite, and he loves it. Or <laughs> we're just talking about Robert. Uh, that's actually, kind of going back in this point, that's the other reason I don't talk about video games, is because most people that play video games are absolute dog-do with them, and I do not want to get stuck playing StarCraft or League or any of these games that I'm pretty decent at with people that are just absolute dog-do. And it's just, you know, because then you feel obligated to play with them. Otherwise, it's mean and you can't really talk down to them because they're your coworkers. And yeah, no, no, thank you. Anyways, um, so Chase says, I recently got my manager to play Fortnite and he loves it. He talks to me about it when he feels it isn't too weird. Basically, he asked me what game is better, Fortnite or PUBG, because he had heard lots to talk about both. And I explained that if you want to always have someone to play with and always have some, sorry, and always have someone to play against, you'll want to go Fortnite because it plays on everything. You can't beat the price and everyone loves playing it. Uh, I also convinced my a coworker to re-explore his gaming roots with a bunch of talk about, wait, with a bunch of talk about what I learned and loved about gaming. Is that right? Yeah, so the next day, he went went and bought a 64 and oh, nice. some of his favorite games. Not the system I would have picked, but to each their own. That's, right. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, and that's all I've got for this email. Thanks, as always, for doing what you do. I hope you you both are well and look forward to dropping in another email again soon. Cheers, Chase, the K-Night Cleaner. All right. Thank you, um, this, one is this one is from Samuel. Hello, classic nerdorinos. 
Short email for me this time, since the last two weeks passed in the blink of an eye. What even is time, you guys? I was just saying this, Robert. You were just saying it, yeah. Here are my picks for the top five relaxing classic games in no particular order. Donkey Kong. Uh, This is the original, arcade slash NES. Simple, fun, and I rarely get mad when Mario dies. Also a true classic game. Mega Man 2, NES, ooh. I've played through this game so many times, I can sit down, turn the game on, and just zen the fuck out. Pokemon Snap. Interesting. You're taking pictures of Pokemon, and it's chill as heck, and as far as I know, you can't die or fail. Good times. Another Pokemon game. Yep. Lego Star Wars. You know, I've never liked any of the Lego Star Wars games. I've heard good things about them, but I'm kind of the same with, with you on this one. Another chill, silly, surprisingly fun game. Plus, you can play as the gonk droid, which, which makes me giggle like a schoolgirl every time. <laughs> that is pretty good. And Super Mario RPG SNES. I wanted, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I wanted to include an RPG on this list, and this one is, to me, a super cool game that won't harsh your mellow, or should I say mallow, if ah, you fall in battle and, and has generally good vibes. That's, that's all a for, good one. Yeah. That's all for me this time. Looking forward to this and every episode. And I hope the next game of the quarter is more compelling than, than the last one, Robert. Hey, don't hate. <laughs> that Actually, was, I, I don't know why he's calling, I don't know why he's calling me out. That was yeah, technically listen, your choice. Robert, that was, that was technically Jay's choice. Hey, listen, don't put, don't, don't put me under the radar here. It's all you. Peace out, my homies, Samuel. Thanks, Samuel. The last one is from Jonathan. What? A little more. Wow. This is rude. All right, here Who's you. this from? <laughs> Jonathan. Jonathan, what the hell? <laughs> All right, well, Jonathan says, man, Stop I hope complaining. It's not Jay. This is what we asked for. No, but no, no, not that. The first line says, man, I hope it's not Jay. Oh. <laughs> so I realized recently that Rob has read my emails for the past several episodes. Okay. That is, at least until the last one. This time, Jay had the pleasure of reading my email. Suffice to say, Jay isn't a bad reader. Oh, okay. Okay. Wait, why do you say? But am I confused? He says, "But go oh, check out But the it seems like he has better things to do than read the ramblings of the dedicated listeners. Wow. Okay, fine. I'm ex- okay, fine. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but let's be honest. I counted the times Rob said the word "like," so Jay can handle a little abuse. I guess that's true. Okay. Uh, it just seems that Jay rushes through the emails and stumbles over words as he plows through our hard work. Rob, on the other hand, spends the time analyzing every word and laughing when things sound funny. I would suggest that Jay, I never slow down. I'm sorry. I do everything at a fast pace, including talking. As well. um, I would suggest that Jay slows down and enunciate. <laughs> oh, the call out. Uh, take breathers and allow things to settle before continuing on. Often Rob needs a moment anyway when he's laughing at a sentence that Jay reads, uh, read a moment ago. Sorry, Rob. Uh, <laughs> Jay, maybe you should adopt an Alabama reading style so that I'm not hope, <laughs> hoping that Robert, Robert reads my emails each week. <laughs> that or Rob should drink more water to make sure his throat can last beyond his 40-minute explanation about why Metal Gear Solid Five deserves another playthrough. Hey, hold on. I'm no. on my first playthrough, by the way. This is the first time I've played Metal Gear Solid Five. Man, you just uh, got called the fuck out, dude. I know. I almost feel offended, but then I don't. You know, it's me. Um, the highlights of last week's show were a mist. Uh, wait, the highlights of last week's show were a mist. That's what she said. 
When Rob talked about shoving games into his system <laughs> that might or might not have worked about three minutes in, also Simon had an amazing second email. You know what's interesting is I think about saying this a lot, but I don't because I would if That's I start true. doing it once, it's like a snowball effect. Oh, I'll dude, do just, it just, every time. Yeah, it never gets old. Just do it. No, it definitely gets old. I'd be, no, I'd, I'd be not, so obnoxious. It is if not I was interrupting old. you every other line. I would do it every time. I just don't think of it most of the time. See, that's what she said, Robert. That didn't really work there. All right, well, we'll see. Um, Also, Simon had an amazing second email where she pretended to be spam. Uh, This was in direct correlation to her previous email going to the spam folder. Seriously, this was hilarious. The only thing perhaps funnier was Jay stumbling over words in my email as he tried to fly through it. Yeah, usually the reason I start stumbling through it um, is because <clears throat> depending on how long the episode's been, when we get to the email section, my brain's pretty tired. And actually, it is a struggle for me to read through some of them. It's not – I'm not complaining. It's just my brain gets kind of tired, and it's hard for me to, to identify how a sentence should be read and where specific words should be enunciated on. Um, he closed this paragraph with a smiley face, by the way. Not a winky face. Don't get concerned. Uh-huh. Just a smiley face. Yeah, no. Uh, top five. So for the most classic relaxing games, I think it is important to start with, with what makes certain games stressful. Competitive games. Yeah, I actually thought about this as well. I actually excluded anything that was really competitive or online, just because I think it's kind of the same point. Uh, okay. Jonathan goes on to say, often these games require playing with or against another player. Somewhat obvious. This induces stress and makes it difficult to relax. There are co- cooperative games that aren't competitive, but anything with a leaderboard or a point system should be ruled out. I actually agree with you entirely. I did this in my head as well. Uh, Fighting slash sports slash shooter games, no explanation needed. Uh, Games with the timer. Timers create a level of stress, another point we talked about, uh, the level of stress that you are always looking at the clock. Mario is a good example of this. While certain levels of Mario may not need a timer, when you are pressed for time, you can never really relax. Uh, Next one is point and click. Sorry, Rob. Maybe this is just me, but these games make me feel incredibly dumb. I've never tried the mobile versions. I've even even tried. Oh, I've even tried the mobile versions. Uh, The pace is great. Wait. Pace is great. There are no timers. There are no scores that I know of, but come on. I spend more time clicking random items and getting pissed off that the DVD I picked up doesn't go in the DVD player in the living room. Um, I made this scenario up, but still. Then what? Am I supposed to throw it in the river? What the hell? No, I do. I, yeah. I, I do feel I, point and click games to me are not relaxing because I, I, I kind of feel the same way as far as that goes. Like, even though they're, they're slow paced, like you said, you know, the, the pace is great. There's no you don't have to worry about timers. Obviously, there's no like twitch reflexes or anything like that. But um, it's not relaxing because your brain is kind of working into overdrive, like figuring out, like, what the hell am I supposed to be doing now? So, yeah, I don't think point and clicks are relaxing either. Yeah, I kind of agree with that as well, especially for somebody who doesn't play a whole lot of them. I do do just spend a whole lot of time just clicking random things and hoping that eventually I'll get it right. Yeah. So I can agree with that. Um, so on to Jonathan's list. He says, number five, Donkey Kong Country. This surprises me because I watched somebody snap a Game Boy in half to this game. Me personally. <laughs> I, I, this game is unbelievably frustrating. Jonathan says, in all fairness, this game can be quite stressful. <laughs> oh, but those water levels were so comforting. I, actually, that's a good point. The music makes everything better. Sure, dodging fish can be quite cumbersome, but there are, there are times that you can can let go of the controller and simply breathe. What a relief. Yeah, the water levels in particular, especially with the music, really do set a very relaxing tone. So I can completely get that. Number four, shocker, Pokemon. Part of the reason this game is so relaxing is that it's made for kids. I mean, we're all kids once, right? Well, except for Robert. He's a clone. But still. 
Yeah. Uh, the battle system also helps in that it doesn't punish you when you need to think about your next move. Instead, you are forgiven for taking your time as you choose the next action. It's a good point. And yeah, what I love about this as well is if you need to get up and go do something or if you need to, to pause for a moment, you can do it at the drop of a hat. There's no, there's no real press for time in, in Pokemon games. This is me talking. So. You, you know who else was a clone? Solid Snake. That's what I have to say to that right there. <laughs> Uh, number three, Harvest Moon. Self ex should be self-explanatory. You have a farm, grow things, and befriend, befriend people. Fun. I actually disagree with this. I had this on my list, but I swapped it for Animal Crossing. I think this game actually is quite stressful. There is a little really? bit of a time constraint with this game. Um, in that, like, I, I don't know. I feel that, that this game is much more stressful than it should be. Or than, than I would put on this list. Because you are very pushed for time, especially trying to get through everything and make sure that your farm is up and running. And you have the appropriate resources and stuff. So I don't know. I I, I agree, but at the same time, I can I kind of see against it. Number th number two, Bejeweled. So all match three games have this style to a sort, but Bejeweled is the most classic. Uh, more recent versions like Gems of War and Hero Emblems have incorporated RPG elements and thus more strategy. I like these more recent versions because I like RPGs. I actually, I had Tetris on mine as well, but then I realized Tetris can be crazy stressful, especially when you get to the, to the higher levels. Okay. And number one, Chrono Trigger. All right, so originally I was going to say JRPGs. However, I realized that Chrono Trigger is the best example of this. I'll get to that in a bit. Oh, and I mean like old school JRPGs. So we are talking turn-based here, folks. Enemies, uh, adversaries sit patiently and wait to be attacked. No need to pause the game and think about your what actions you you might need to take. Um, kind of like FTL, Robert. Wink, wink. Oh well. Wow. Um, do you need to check for weaknesses? No problem. They won't attack until you determine what they are allergic to. So as long as the system doesn't shut down, classic systems don't have timers. Uh, then you can leave the game on all day, and when you return, the enemy still will be waiting for you to attack. <laughs> that is true, except for the part that you mentioned about system shutting down, because that definitely did happen to me. What? What happened? Um, when I would leave games on, like if I was playing um, an RPG, like Final Fantasy 1 was a great example. Uh, Final Fantasy 1, my buddy and I would leave it on when we went to school and then we'd come back to his house and play. I can't tell you how many times we'd come back and the system would be off and our file would be reset. Why? I don't know. just happened. And sometimes it would just reset to the to the starting screen while we and we'd come back and it would just be file wiped. Like the I lost my file in Final Fantasy 1 more times than I could. On, on an NES? Yeah. On wow, a really? NES. Okay. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of problems losing files on that and Zelda as well. Interesting. Zelda. Do you think somebody like um, bumped it and hit the reset button? It's possible, but it's kind of unlikely because nobody was really home at his house. This whole uh, family was nobody else. Interesting. No. Okay. He was, he was a latchkey kid. Hmm. Uh, his second second piece is What's story. What's a latchkey kid? You know what a latchkey kid is? You being serious? Sounds like a Super Nintendo game. Are you being Are you trolling? You don't know what a latchkey kid? Is? No. Oh, a latchkey kid is a kid who has a house key who doesn't have like their parents work, so when they get home, they have the, have access to getting their house. It, it was just a term for just for kids who didn't come home to a stay at home mom. Oh, okay. Wow, surprised that's not a common term. I didn't know that. Uh, it may, it may, maybe I just have never heard it. Um, his second point is story. Uh, there are a few examples of games that require more reading than a good old role playing experience. Menus, dialogue, story arcs, everything that conveys information requires you to pause and read it. And to some, reading is a rela relaxing pastime. So I guess that's a win win. Uh, his next point is mini games. Often these are included to break up the cynical battle slash explore system of these experiences. While some of these mini games might be more stressful than the original game, uh, aka Final Fantasy VII Gold Saucer, 
they offer a nice change of pace from the mundane. That's a good point. And I, I, this is something that people always, when people talk to me about JRPGs and they say they're boring, if you experience JRPGs in a whole and you do the side quests and you do the, the fun mini games like this and you do some of the more ridiculous stuff, it's enough to break up the battles, to break up battles and, and the storyline and the mundane readingness at times that, I, I don't know, I think, I think people really need to experience the full effect of, of JRPGs in particular to really, really enjoy it. Uh, his next point is save points. Here's a mechanic that lets you that lets you rest assured, knowing whatever happens, you will keep all items and experience up to this point. Talk about relaxing. In most cases, these games even include a save point right before an enemy who might own your soul. How convenient. I agree with you, except for the exceptional times when you know they do, there is no save point prior to a very frustrating boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and those are some of the most frustrating spots ever because you're like, well, I can't save and I might just get destroyed by this boss if you've yep. played it more than once. Um, so I picked Chrono Trigger for several reasons, but most obvious, obviously because it's less grindy than most other contemporary JRPGs. It is shorter and is more accessible than most other games in that genre. But maybe I'm a bit biased. <laughs> uh, next time, fellas. Uh, P.S. Jaden asked what my subject header was for the last email. Talk about a waste of creativity. What was it? Do you, remember, do you know what it is, Robert? Do you know what the one was for this one? Uh no I don't remember let's see this one is wonder what wonder who's going to read my email this time so I think going forward Robert you have to read all of Jonathan's emails <laughs> good so I'm not being told here okay I can do Jonathan that, thank maybe. you for the email uh, appreciate the I, I I do appreciate the suggestion though I really do I take things I take it very seriously he's so. sorry that he read it too fast I mean I will always read things fast I'm sorry just how I, how I roll all right thank you everybody. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Send us emails, tons of them, whatever you want to talk about. But make sure you, among whatever else you talk about, make sure you talk about your five, what was it? Uh, five most stressful games. But yeah, your five most stressful games, as well as which game you would like to vote for for Game of the Quarter. Again, those are yes. Eye of the Beholder, Alone in the Dark 2, Police Quest 4 Open Season, Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 or Quest for Glory? Uh, current gaming subcast? Yes, sir. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to? I want you to. Sure. So, Robert obviously knows one of the games I'm going to talk about, which is uh, Faster Than Light. So, I got a couple games from one of the more recent Steam sales. I know. Hold your breath. I know. I've never heard somebody call it by that. <laughs> Faster Than Light? Yeah. Well, I just want to say that because I know most people do notice FTL, but for anybody who doesn't, they've probably seen either or. So I was, I was going to say both titles, to be honest with you. All right, that works. But um, FTL, a.k.a. Faster Than Light, uh, is a game that Robert and I, Robert spent a lot more time playing than I have. Um, how do you, what is the term for this game? Like, what genre does this fall into? It's considered a roguelike. Okay, that makes sense. It's a very uh, untraditional one, but uh, it pretty much hits all of the, all of the uh, key points, just about. If you wouldn't mind, would you mind? Just, I think you could just you could do more justice to describing this game, and then maybe I'll talk about some of the more intricate mechanics and my experience. Okay, sure. Mind? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of people are probably familiar with it. If you're not, um, you you definitely heard uh, gaming Jay and I talk about it on episode 100. It was on our very high on both of our top 100, or on my top 100 games list, his top five or whatever we did for them. Um, uh, FTL. So. It is a, uh, aside from just describing it as a roguelike, um, so you are basically controlling a ship with a crew and you're jumping from one planet to the next. Uh, you can think, kind of think of each individual planet as a level and not even, not even planets, but just different points in outer space. 
and you are um, just pro- progressing through the game, fighting ships uh, at most of the points that you go to in outer space and upgrading your ship as you go along. Whenever, Typically, whenever you defeat a ship, then you gather some scrap and you can use that to uh, upgrade your ship. Uh, and you also gather fuel. Obviously, you need that to keep progressing uh, and, and missiles and some other various parts. And so as you're, as you're playing through the game, you use the scrap to upgrade certain parts of your ship. You also come across shops in outer space every now and then, and they have special things that you can buy. Like you can buy, instead of just like saying, I'm going to upgrade my weapons capacity, ooh, shit, my weapons capacity, or, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my, I'm going to upgrade my engines or stuff like that, which you can do at any time. When you come to stores, you can, they'll, they'll say, here's a selection of stuff that we have that you can add onto your ship. You can buy a new weapon, or you can buy a new uh, crew member or a new kind of like entire system to, to add on to your ship. Like you could add a stealth system or a drone control system, which yep. has, which, which will let, allow you to have kind of automatic drones floating around your ship that will either help defend you or do extra damage to, uh, to whatever ship you're fighting at the same time that you're firing your, your regular guns, uh, things like that. It's all randomized. It's a roguelike in the sense that, um, all of these things are just kind of random. And also if you, if you die at any point, then you, have to start all the way over. Uh, one complete playthrough would take maybe two to five hours. Uh, five is um, probably a, a two, bit far. Yeah, I was gonna say I think two two hours is a pretty good good two estimate. Two or so. Yeah. Um, so what you're doing in mo- again most of the encounters are you finding another ship, so it's you um, having to manage all these things on your on your ship. You're, man- you're primarily obviously you're trying just to blow them up, and you're doing that by um, so you're targeting. You can see like what rooms house different the various systems of their ship. So the systems that you have inside your ship, you have your oxygen, you have your weapons, your shields, your engine, uh, and a few other things. And you have a crew. Um, if you have crew members manning these different rooms, then it gives them boosts typically. And so you're sh- trying to typically shoot out whatever systems you want to target on the other ship. 99%, well, like 90% of the time, that's going to be their weapons. Because if you knock out their weapons, they can't really do any damage against you. And then you can kind of just keep shooting them until they're dead. They just kind um, of went over time at that point. Yeah. At the same time, they're shooting at you. And, they, you know, if they, you know, shoot part of, you know, they might shoot a hole in your ship. And then you want to run some of your crew members, take them off of whatever systems they're managing, run them over to that section of your ship and try to patch up the hole before, you know, oxygen runs out of that room or whatever. Or maybe there's going to be, or maybe there's a fire started. You want to run your guys over there to put out the fire. Or if you don't want to do that, then you can open up doors um, leading to outside your ship so that it sucks all the oxygen out of those rooms and the fire goes out on its own because it doesn't have any oxygen. But then you have to deal with no oxygen. <laughs> right. Then you have to deal with no oxygen, but only in those rooms that you opened up. So most of the yeah. time that's manageable, obviously, unless it gets too crazy. Uh, the big thing about this game is like, you'll be playing and doing pretty well. And then you'll come across one ship and it's like, just all hell will break loose. You'll, yep. you'll have fires all over the place. Your, your intruders. shields. Yeah. You'll have maybe intruders who have boarded your ship. Your, your, maybe your guns will be out or your shields will be out. And you, so you got to like figure out like, Oh, sh- what, what am I going to do? Am I going to, you know, do I want to fight off these guys first or do I need to put out these fires or do I need, or do I want to fix my shields so they don't do any more damage? Uh, it's, it's, and you can pause it at any time through all this and kind of like, yes, that's the key. That's what I was going to mention. That's kind of the key is you pause it a whole lot to say like, 
okay, what do I want to do now? You know, both offensively and defensively, especially, you know, once shit sort of hits the fan, you're like, all right, let me think about this for a second. I want to send these guys here, try to fight these guys off. I'm going to open these few doors, try to put this fire out. I'm going to have this guy run over here and start trying to repair my shields. Um, or, you know, sometimes you'll be doing all this and, but like keeping one guy at the pilot seat so that you can jump away real quick. Um, once you, once your FTL engine gets, gets charged back up, um, it's just, and, and a lot of the strategy comes in, not even, well, most of it is in the, you know, moment to moment actual battles in the ship. But then there's also the long-term strategy of what systems and I, do I need to upgrade for this particular ship or for this particular run? You know, I found these weapons. So what, what other things do I need to, what else do I need to try to buy or look for or upgrade that kind of, uh, that kind of work well with, with the upgrades that I already have so far? Um, yeah, I think that kind of I think that's kind of a long-winded explanation. There's a whole lot of variety in the game. There's the different crew there you can get your different crew members of different species and some of them you just get randomly, some of them you can choose from time to time and different species have different like some are different at better things. Some are different at fighting uh, people who have boarded your ship. Some are better at fixing things. Some there's one like alien species that automatically gives one bar of power to whatever room it's in. So you don't have to have as much uh, power in your overall ship generator, uh, things like that. Super yeah, fun game. One of, the, one of the best games ever. Sorry. That's a little bit more. So the main currency of the game is kind of, as Robert alluded to is um, parts, but the parts can be used for, for they're, they're like your, your key strategy point because the more damage you take the next time you're located at the store, you have to spend those parts in order to repair your ship to full health. And so if you take a lot of damage during battle, you limit the amount of currency you have in order to spend and upgrade your ship. Because um, you can obviously buy items from the shop, you can upgrade your ship directly, or you can repair it, which in most cases you're going need to do, need to do so. And so the other thing that, that kind of uh, labored on as well is every time you move to another node, you sort of get this, this uh, either it's nothing happens and you just kind of sit there for a minute and then you can jump to the next zone, or you get some sort of dialogue. The dialogue could be there's somebody stranded and they need help. Do you want to help them? Yes, I want to help them. No, I don't want to help them. You say, yes, I want to help them. Sometimes they're, they just need something specific like missiles or, or, or fuel or whatever it may be. And then in return, they give you something. Sometimes they give you people. Sometimes they give you drones, weapons, whatever it may be. Other times when you try to help them, you get in a fight. Somebody was actually there trying to fight them. And so there's these different interactions and dialogue that you get prompted every time you jump to a new area. Obviously, yeah. combat is the key element of it. And being able to pause constantly is very, very important because as Robert kind of alluded to, when you pause, you could be doing 20 different things before your next action. So um, it is nice in that sense. It is relaxing in that kind of sense because it's not, you know, it's not fast paced. So you can pause it whenever you need to, to take a breather or to make the appropriate decisions. But at the same time, when there's nine things going on, pausing doesn't necessarily alleviate all of the stress out of it. Because <laughs> yeah, you, know, sure. you know you're going to die when your ship is sunk in, or you, excuse me, your engine is, is destroyed and you can't jump anywhere and you're just losing the direct fight. Um, yeah, this game's super fun. I've almost completed a full run through on easy, which was wasn't too bad so far. It's been actually relatively, um, but I think on the harder modes, some of the dialogue is going to be a lot more punishing when you go for the greedier types of. Games. Um, I don't think so, I. I don't feel like you mean like when you have to make a decision like oh do you want to go down to the sh planet and check out the distress signal or, or yeah. not? No, I don't think. I think the odds pretty much stay the same okay. as far as that stuff goes. It's, it's really just the. Um, the the battles get harder and you don't get as much scrap when you uh when you win fights. Interesting. 
But yeah, I think it's um, yeah, like 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 you were saying, it's not always battle. Sometimes there will be like an event, like oh, it, the these people are sending a distress signal. And they need somebody to come down and help them. Do you want to send a crew member down to to check it out? And sometimes a crew member might go down and help them, and they'll thank you and give you some stuff. Or sometimes a crew member might go down there and get killed. And the events are, are very critical. They're actually a huge strategic part of the game because if you don't do a lot of the events, you won't get access to a lot of different things you would otherwise. Yeah. Um. You can also unlock new ships. So they're like you start off with just one ship, and then you can lock you can unlock different layouts for the ships so that the different layouts like they have, you know, literally different layouts the way the rooms are, but also different like some sometimes a different layout will also have a different number of crew members or different types of crew members and, or different systems in the ship. Um, well, m- almost always it's different systems and especially different weapons. So, uh, like, one layout of one ship might have, you know, um, better crew members, but or, or maybe better shields or something, but but not as good weapons. And so, you unlock that stuff. And then there are different entire there are different ships entirely. Some of them have like different have sort of like special abilities that that the other ships don't start off with, but that you can eventually buy if you come across it in a store. Like one of them has stealth. Uh, one of them has like these kind of like super shields that give you extra shields to start off with um, and things like that. Oh, very fun game. Um, I've probably spent two to three hours playing so far and uh, probably more than that. I'll probably I'll say five or six because I've done multiple run throughs and um, I definitely enjoy the game. But when I lose after spending a bunch, like like Robert said, I could be absolutely decimating the game. And then I come across some some ridiculous event and just get completely dismantled. You kind of get frustrated and a lot of times I need to take a break from it. So. Um, all in all, it's a very, very, very fun game. Um, the other game I've been playing is another actual roguelike called Enter the Gungeon, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen or heard of. Enter the Gungeon is just a ridiculously fun game. It is so funny. So you get to choose between one of five different characters. They have some basic abilities and, and get some get some starting weapons. And then as you progress through this game, there are tens, I think there's tens, even hundreds of guns that you can get from like a snowball machine to things that's like a prismatic um, gun that shoots light that ricochets off well walls. I got one recently that, uh, what was it? There's some really, really funny guns I've got. Oh, you can get a water gun. Um, there's your, your typical AK, you can get an Uzi, you can get a pistol. But there's just all these different guns and they have different mechanics that interact with it. There's bows, there's crossbows. Um, there's just such a variety of guns that it makes each run interesting because you're like, okay, well, I have this gun that doesn't have a lot of ammo, so I'm going to conserve it. Whereas sometimes I'll get the snow snowblower, and I think it has like four or 500 shots, and I'll just use that the entire run for the <laughs> most part. Um, <clears throat> so you explore the floors, you find the bosses. The bosses are random, so you get a different boss uh, from, a di- from a pool, and then based on which floor you're on, the difficulty is tuned up or down. Um, in addition to the basic weapons you get, you can also get armor, you can get extra health. Um, there are sometimes chests that are mimics that are actually just going to attack you. The shopkeep is kind of a dick, and sometimes his pr- prices will fluctuate. And he'll, he t- he talks trash to you, which is so funny to me as well. Um, there's also a gun that is a lowercase letter R that when you shoot it, it shoots the word bullet, and it says bullet, which is just so freaking random. I completely <laughs> forgot to mention the fact that the enemies are ammo. They're literally bullet casings or shotgun shells that have guns that shoot ammo which is just absolutely <laughs> baffling. It's just, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, the game yeah, is yeah, I forgot about that. Each, each run is completely different. Obviously, it's a, it's a it's roguelike, but even more so. Most roguelikes, it's like, you know the general elements are going to be the same. But this game, every single time I play it, it's just, I, I laugh. Like, there's just some element, some ridiculousness to it that just, 
just makes me laugh. And it's it's a it's definitely worth a buy. I've played it for at least a couple hours so far. I've done many run-throughs because they're very short. A lot of times you'll get to the second or third floor and do something risky and just lose your whole run. Um, yeah, the music's good too. It's not not fantastic, but the music does set the pacing and kind of tone for the game as well. Nice. The music on FTL is, is really good also. I haven't listened to it too much. I've heard it, but it hasn't really like stuck with me at all i guess the best way to put yeah it. it's not like enter the gungeon in the sense that it's not like super catchy or anything it just it just fits the theme of the game it fits the, like the space feel really really well okay i have heard the atmospheric type music that's been going on and that's I all it is yeah okay okay i know what you're talking about um i, I want to point i want to go back to ftl for just a second so i have a ton of i have right now like 170 hours in the game Holy shit. Probably like 10 of that is over the past three days since you told me that you started playing it again. So Jay told me that he told me earlier in the week, he's like, I've been playing FTL. And I was like that instantly. I was like, oh man, I really want to play FTL now. So I started playing it again also. And so, you know, up until this week, I had probably, you know, 160 hours in the game and I have not been able to beat it on normal. Uh, The game is pretty tough. It's not as hard as that makes it sound. Part of it was, as I, even though I loved it, I sort of sucked at it. I think um, easy mode is basically the everybody agrees easy mode is is normal. So when you when you get the game, if if you haven't played it, if you buy FTL, 100% start on easy mode because it is not easy. Oh, for sure. Then I would have gotten way too frustrated with it. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And normal mode is is hard for sure. So um, I was never able to beat it on normal mode. And then when Jay told me he, that he'd been playing it, I started up my third game. I, I finally beat it on normal. I, first of all, I was like ecstatic about that because I was like, holy shit, I finally did it. I think I didn't think I ever would. I think part of it is because I'm just like better at games now than I was when this came out originally, like, I don't know, six or seven years ago or whenever it was. But also I got like a pretty lucky run and I was using my best ship <laughs> and I looked at, um, it shows you like your high scores, like how good you've done after you uh, finish any run. And all of my top five runs are with the same ship. Oh, that's funny. And all and four of the top five were with the same layout of the same ship. So uh, yeah, this definitely I my play style obviously very uh, obviously um lends itself toward toward certain ships. But I did start playing it on hard mode, and I have done significantly better than I expected. I I did get to the um the final boss the other night using one of the harder ships. So I'm going to, I may keep, I'm sort of hooked on it again. I, I may, I think I'm going to keep on doing it until, uh, until I can beat it on hard. Yeah. I'll be taking breaks, but I will be right there with you. I believe the most recent ship that I unlocked is the Mantis ship, which, um, is based on really not even so much shooting the other ships as, uh, as boarding them and attacking them. So you have like a teleporter and the Mantis crew are really good at fighting in just hand to hand combat. Oh, so, okay. So instead of shooting the other ships, which you, you can get weapons, obviously, uh, and the, the layout that I've been using is the second one, which doesn't even start off with a weapon. Um, it starts off with two crew members and a boarding drone. And so what you so the boarding drone basically acts as another crew member that you essentially launch onto the other ship, and it'll help you attack their guys with your guys. So you get over there, and instead of destroying their ship, you, uh, you basically just kill off the crew individually one by one. Uh, so it's, it also, so that's just kind of to say it has a lot of variety in the different ways that you want to play it. Once you sort of start unlocking stuff and getting used to the game in general, there's, there's a lot of different approaches you can take to any given playthrough. but, uh, man, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really loving it again. Yeah. It's a good one for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, on that, just playing a lot of StarCraft, as you and I have been talking about. Still enjoying that oh, a that's lot. that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely a, a, not on the uh, top five relaxing games. Definitely on the higher stress level, for sure. But still very much so enjoying it. Oh, one, sorry, one more thing. I, I, I know I keep going back to FTL. But uh, the other day, I was, I, was, I was watching some videos of, of, you know, better people playing the game. And uh, I was watching a video yesterday of a guy doing a uh, no-pause hard mode run uh, and beating the game. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> yeah, and it, it was like you would expect it to just be crazy to watch, but he made it look like so simple somehow. Like, you're watching this guy play, and you're like, oh, this game looks pretty easy. I imagine with enough experience, you pretty much see, okay, if A, then B, if not that's, B, then C. Like, I think so. I, I think that's exactly how it is, yeah. Pretty much, but still do, sense. but still doing that without pausing is like kind of yeah. Nuts. That's true. You got to be pretty quick. So yeah. Anyway, StarCraft is treating you pretty well. Sounds like. Uh, I mean, yeah, more or less. I'm I'm getting very good very quickly. Um, I've been watching a lot of streams, which has actually been extremely helpful. Just kind of understanding builds and the meta and stuff. But StarCraft is actually surprisingly, and I think in one of the best states it's ever been. The game is, this is much StarCraft shorter. StarCraft two, two by the yeah, way. I'm sorry. Yeah, StarCraft two. Uh, Legacy of the Void. <clears throat> I was not super impressed with the game originally, but I don't think I gave it a, a real chance. But um, the game is just in a great state. They they ex they sort of um, they made the early game faster, which it's not it's not necessarily that sounds worse than it is. But essentially, what they did is they eliminated the first three minutes of you building drones or probes or whatever you're building and just sending them to your mineral veins. You start with extra miners. You mine a little bit faster. You mine out your base faster. So the game's just a long game for me is 20 minutes, whereas a long game used to be like 45 minutes. And I'm being Ooh. serious, like 45 minutes for a single game that you might lose. Oh, right, whereas right. a 20-minute game feels long, but your average game is anywhere from about 10 to 15 minutes. And that's probably still pretty lengthy. Most of my games end pretty fast. And I'll be, you're on three bases comfortably at 10 minutes. It's much wow. faster, and it, it's, it's nice. It is a much better feeling. And I, the replay system that they have is great, too, because I can go back and watch replays and see what I did wrong and understand, you know, X, Y, and Z. But it's a very fun game. I always go back to playing StarCraft every once in a while, and I'm, I'm definitely kind of hooked for the time being. <laughs> it sounds like you're kind of back on StarCraft the way I'm back on FTL. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. I think that's all I've got. All, all I've really been playing is FTL now that you got me hooked on it once again. Oh, oh, and I've been playing Heroes of My Magic 3 still. So oh, really? whoever was emailing, yeah, when we were talking, I, I cannot get away from that game. That game is just so fun. It's too time-consuming, but still very, very fun. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Actually, I am still playing Middle Gear Solid 5, but that's going to be kind of an ongoing thing for <laughs> a while. Is this your ninth playthrough? No, I have not played. I'm on my first oh, playthrough of Middle Gear Solid 5. This is the first time. I didn't start it until a couple months ago. Yeah, okay, Robert. But you know what? I'm like... 50 hours in right now, and I feel like I'm about halfway through. You're about halfway? That's how it feels, yeah. That's unlikely for, for games today, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like a long game now. I, I guess there are still longer games, but, jeez, that's crazy. It is. But I, most most of the time, I do get usually sick of games when they go on for that long. But this one, yeah, is, I agree. Is, this one is, uh, is I, I really am not feeling tired of it. I just, I just, I, this is kind of a relaxing one, honestly, to me. It's sort of fun to chill out and play for a little while. All right. Yep. Once again, mail us, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Send us your picks for the new game of the quarter. Send us your top fives. I won't repeat all that once again. You all know what it is. Leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Tell all your friends to listen to us, please. That'll be very, very helpful. Um, follow us at Class Gamescast. You can follow me. I'm at King Octavius. 
Jay, is anything else? No, I think that's it. I think we're all set for the night. Amazing. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We'll see you all in two weeks. Have a good two weeks. <laughs>